must confess, we are podcasting. We're sitting up in our room, about to drink and talk to you. <laughs> I must confess, we are podcasting. <laughs> How was that? I loved that. That was perfect. Oh, I was in it. I was in it. Yep, because we are just sitting up in our room. So yeah, we're just sitting up in our room. Hey, everybody. Hey. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Or, or day or morning or, or whenever morning you morning or whatever you're, you're experiencing right now. <laughs> good good time, everybody. <laughs> good morrow. Good morrow. I am the lusty boy crazy. Fine man getting boss bitch will fire your ass if you talk back to me at work. Zenobia. <laughs> I love it. I'm Robin. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't tell. And I am your ever so fabulous, wild and crazy, love lusting, set your shit on fire if you burn me, bitch, Mm. Lenny. Ooh. Well, here on Lights, Camera, Cocktails, Cocktails. we pair amazing cocktails with amazing movies and tonight is no motherfucking different and i'm ready to sip i'm ready to sip it i'm ready to sip it too so this month is one of the most fabulous months of the year it is february so that means that it is black history month checking (laughs) on that history baby i love it yep 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 so here on black history month do you want to tell everybody what movie we picked today Oh my god, I'd be so honored. So, in the feeling of love this week, because, you know, love is in the air, Mm -hmm. and uh, hanging out with my girl, we had to give respect to the classic film, Waiting to Exhale. Shoop, 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 shoop. Uh, yes. yes yes we did we have been talking about this we have been suggesting this film to each other back and forth for months now yeah because of course we've been talking a lot about winnie houston mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think this was the perfect movie to get you know into the lovey mood with my girl z over there yeah mm-hmm. happy galentine's day everybody oh my god happy galentine's day ovaries before broveries yeah <laughs> I, like I, that. Love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. But I got mad love for our boys out there too. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, are yeah. you ready for the Hermosa Mimosa? This is K one hundred and seven broadcasting live from the Hermosa. Oh my god, I love it. Yes, let's go to the Hermosa Mimosa, baby. Hermosa Mimosa. Oh my god. All you're gonna need is a chilled wine glass. And then you're going to do half an ounce of Grand Marnier and two dashes of orange bitters. You're going to do half an ounce of that beautiful orange juice. (laughs) And then you're going to top it with my favorite thing, champagne. So, you know, I can't open champagne until we start the show. Otherwise, I'm going to be too drunk to do the show. So here we go. Popping bottles, popping bottles, popping. Ooh. Oh, nice pop! Like Wine and crime, girls. And so you're going to go ahead and top it off, as in fill the rest of your glass up. <laughs> Perfect. With that champagne, and then you're going to top the bad boy with 
uh, a little bit of mint that you're going to slap on there a little bit. Ooh. And an orange slice for garnish. And that, my friends, is the Hermosa Mimosa. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, my God. Ooh. I like that. Oh, my God. Okay. Wow. Well, if you are a new listener to the show, then you don't know that mimosas is my all-time favorite drink. It's what I drink all the time, in the daytime, in the morning, at night, in my sleep. (laughs) It don't matter. I'm drinking mimosas. It's my favorite. So when I saw this recipe, I was like, "Mm, this looks like it's going to be good. And you guys, it is. It adds some shit to mimosa. Like, it's no regular ass orange juice and, and champagne, bitch. This mm-hmm. is great. I think the I was I was nervous about the Grand Marier. I'm not going to lie to you. But the orange juice really pulls it together. Ooh. I, I was adds, not nervous about it. I I know. Uh, you were, like, stoked. <laughs> you were like, so let's do this. And I was like, I was down. I'm down. Let's do, Let's try it. I guess I haven't really looked at too many mimosa recipes because there's quite a few different ones out there. But when I saw a couple of them have the Grand Marnier, I was like, you know what? This is what's going down. I'm going to try this. So now that we've drank in our Hermosa Mimosa, are you ready for a little bit of her story? Yeah, tap me in. What's going on tonight? Ooh, right. a little her story. You ready? Okay. <laughs> Give it to me. So what is Grand Marnier? <laughs> Okay, you may ask yourself that. Well, it is a French cognac brandy orange flavored liqueur. So this is like the Cadillac of orange liqueurs. It's not like a triple sec, which is kind of like, you know, cheapy chintzy, even though we did use it last week and it was bomb in that drink. If you want to like Mm -hmm. class up your margaritas or apparently your mimosas, this is a good thing to put in there. So the first distillery opened. Okay, before I start this. (laughs) Please forgive me for messing up the French names. This is just going to happen. These people are definitely not alive. And I'm so sorry if you're named after these people. So the first distillery opened in 1827 when Jean-Baptiste La Pousseau. I think I actually did that right. Yeah, that's beautiful. Really rolled off your tongue. Jean-Baptiste La Pousseau. His distillery was of fine fruit liqueurs. That's what his main gig was. And he ran that for many years. And then in 1876, Julia Jacques' granddaughter married Louis Alexander Mornier. And he had the idea of combining refined French cognac and Caribbean oranges together into making this beautiful combination that we know of as Grand Mornier. You so, know how I feel about Southern style Caribbean citrus. I know. I mean, me and you are both from Orange States. We do. We love. So we are both we like citrus love babies. Yeah, we do love <laughs> yeah. oranges and citrus of all the kinds. So that's definitely me and Lenny's wheelhouse right here. Yeah. So, um, Marnier was good friends with this guy named Caesar Ritz, Ooh, okay. uh, who actually came up with the name Grand Marnier. Monier came up with some other like name uh-huh. and Caesar was like, you know what? You should call it Grand Monier, like after your name and your grand, it's grand. And so he said, quote, a grand name for a grand liqueur. So that's what Ooh. Caesar Ritz said about Grand Monier. So in return to help out his friend, Monier helped his friend purchase and establish 
the Hotel Ritz in Paris. And so, oh my God, right? that's friendship, baby. That's friendship, Damn. baby. And was, <laughs> thank God. And was like, you know, where Gremonier really got its, like, mm-hmm. you know, start. It was playing, it was really sold well in the all Ritz hotels. So I, I love that little friendship aspect of it that they, you know, mm-hmm. he helped him out. You know, we'd be walking. We would have been walking in and then like, Grandma, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. pour me that glass, put some ice on it, baby. Like, mm-hmm. that's how we would have rolled in. Grandma, yeah. So some, Grand gr- yeah. some Grandma, can be taken neat or on the rocks. And another cool thing is that you don't have to just put this in your cocktail. You can also put it in your food and desserts. So um, that sounds delicious. Like, so they okay. go really good with raspberries. So if you're doing like a raspberry pie or something, put a little bit oh of Gramonier in there. People use them when they make Yule log, like the cake, the log or whatever. Oh, people put it in there. Oh my God. People yes. also put it in cranberry sauce. If they're making homemade cranberry sauce, it's oh, something put in it because the sweet and the orange citrus flavor is like so good together with the cranberry. <gasps> yeah it's just like i'm writing that one down you have no idea i'm definitely doing that for like thanksgiving next year yeah and some people Uh, put it in their coffees and their teas Um, that's clever yeah you can all people also put them in their flambe dishes you know the ones that you Mm. like set on fire be all cool people also put that in there but one that i'm sure that you want to try is that you drizzle it over vanilla ice cream You know yep. me so well. Yeah. Oh my God. So that's it. If oh you want to know some more about Grandma of like what you can actually like cook and bake with it, there's like a bunch mm-hmm. of like articles. That's just some of the things that I saw that you could do with that. Now, yeah. the Grandma that I am drinking is not bought from the store. It was actually Mine one is. That hers is. So she has like the <laughs> fancy ass one. I have a homemade one that I made over the holidays that I passed out for gifts. Along with my limoncello. So all I did was I took a big glass jar. I filled it with brandy. Then I put a cup of sugar in there. And then I stirred it until it was all mixed up in there. And then I bought cheesecloth. And I put it over the mouth of the bottle or the jar. And then I placed two oranges in there. And I tied it all up. And the oranges are supposed to be hanging over the brandy but not touching the brandy. The point of it is to get the orange sweat from the oranges into the brandy. And that's where it gets like that orange flavoring. Right. So after I hung it in the cheese cloth and I put the top on it, I set it in a cabinet that was above our dryer. So I did see that it did take a little bit of the brandy. Like the line did go down a little bit, but the sweat from the orange was like amazing. And you can definitely taste it in it. So I have homemade Gramonier. So that is a way that you can make it wow. yourself. I did have to have it sit in the jar for 30 days like that. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, that sounds incredible. Yeah. Like I have to try it. I have to try it. I will make some more and I'm going to send you some. The patience to be able to do that and watch it grow. This is the first time I've used it in one of our cocktails. I'm so excited <laughs> about that. That's really, really cool. <laughs> Look at us just like making cocktails look over here. It, no big deal. Look at And now that I know that it's so delicious in this goddamn <laughs> mimosa. <laughs> I know. Are you ever, are we ever going to have a normal brunch or are we just going to have the Hermosas mimosas? I mean, the Hermosas mimosas is only going to be a thing for you. 
Really? Yeah. I don't want to like have to share my Grand Marnier with everybody. Shit, girl. <laughs> this is so good. Yeah. So um, that's a little bit of her story on Grand Marnier and how to make it yourself fucking Grand Marnier. It's it. I can really taste it in this re- mimosa. It's so good. I really want to see how you you balance the oranges. I can't wait to see that process. I really wish I was trying your Grand Marnier right now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Please, are you kidding me? I, no, I'm just want to tell the audience, like, girl, you gotta. You I should because it tastes so good. So, are you ready? <laughs> are you ready for that <laughs> motherfucking <laughs> drinking? Game. Game. Uh, yes, uh, I'm ready. All right, motherfucking drinking game. So everybody grab your Hermosa Mimosa. Hermosa Mimosa. Cheers. And you're ready for the motherfucking drinking game. Okay. You don't take one simp when you hear the DJ. So the DJ oh. who'd be like, hey, ladies, you know, why don't you guys come and spend the night with me? I'm over here at the Ooh. Hermosa bar. <laughs> Why don't you spend the night with me? This is where the party's going down. Why are you sitting there when you could be sitting here in my room? Let Brandy tell you. Check it out. K107. Instead of just sitting up in your room. Or whatever he says. (laughs) He talks basically during the New Year's to the beginning and the end of the movie. So you'll get to hear his sexy voice roll through your ears. (laughs) I love it when he's like, hey, you gentlemen out there, if you... So for all you fellas out there running the streets... Looking for love in all the wrong places. Something you should know. Love might be waiting right there at home. Maybe that someone's already at home waiting for you. Waiting and for you, you. You're like, oh, shit. Poor Gloria's like shutting the curtain like, yeah, I'm here. Like, Just here by myself. Fuck you. My son is about to leave. Tariq is about to have the best time of his he life. It's a good one. Wait, I really like that, though. And I really like that style of movie because the music is so important. I really love that they make the DJ. So prominent. So prominent, right? So you're going to take a sip when someone exhales. So where she's like, I finally did it. I just close my eyes and... I closed my eyes and I exhaled. (sighs) Exhaled. Mm. Gloria also exhales when she sees Marvin. Mm-hmm. You can see she's, oh my god she's just exhaling over there so you gonna take yeah, a she is. simp on those you gonna take a simp when someone has sex there's quite a few sex in this whoa there's a lot of sex there's a lot of sex <laughs> it's robin having sex with the dude who's all sweating all over Ew, we got like what was that michael like come on <laughs> we he was talk such about a disappointment that. i know we're gonna talk, talk about, about- why are we going to talk about all the lovers, the lover losers? Yeah, we're going to talk about Savannah, that's Whitney Houston, mm-hmm. and all her men's. All of them. All of them get some men's in there. I love where he's like, Grr. Grr, huh? Arg. Arg. What? What? Am I working at a zoo? Like, what the fuck is going down? Now I'm a keeper at the damn zoo. I'm going to be so real with you. I love when men grunt. I think it's the most sexiest, like, primal thing. 
I am not comfortable with a lover that's completely silent. That's it weird. Really, it it makes me a little. There has to be something like there. It, you can't be silently enjoying something. It just kind of freaks me <laughs> out a little bit, <laughs> like, just a little bit. I'm just like, what am I making love to a silent robot? Like, what is happening? Well, you here? and Savannah can switch because she wants some silent, and you want them growling. Oh, I definitely like a little growl. He's like, oh, playful. The other one was like, I love it when you call me Big Papa. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh, I love it when you call me Big Papa. Oh, Big Papa. Yeah. Oh, Big Papa. Big Papa. Big Papa. You're going to take a simp when somebody drinks. So this is when. Whitney Houston shows up at Angela Bassett's house and she's like, I want to go get a drink, huh? Girl, let's drink. And they sit there drink. watching the fucking anniversary video. Oh, I know. That it's, was rough. Yeah. You can tell she's still like going through it. They're drinking at her house bar. Yeah. This is the girls going Oof. to happy hour, drinking. This yep. is drinking at Gloria's birthday. This is oh, yeah. Angela Bassett drinking at the bar where she's smoking. Oh. There's a lot of drinking in this movie. So go ahead and take your simps. Okay? Mm-hmm. You're going to take your simps when the women talk on the phone. So this is oh them God. talking to each other. Like, I love my favorite phone call in this whole thing is when Whitney Houston calls Robin and's like, well, at least you know now where your wallet went. So Robin, I guess you know who's got your wallet. What? You think you stole it? <laughs> Robin, I don't believe you. Goodbye. I got the hang up. Yes. You think he went there? She's like, girl, bye. I ain't got time for this. You were just too dumb. I don't have time for this. You've done. Yeah, she just hangs no, up I'm on done. her. I'm done. Oh, my God. I'm done. I, I'm done. I can't. Yeah. That was, that, that was always a, that's a funny routine between the two of them because they have those two epic phone calls. Me I too. super love it when Gloria's calling Bernadine to make sure she's okay. And then all of a sudden, Robin comes up. She's like, Bernie, how dare that son of a bitch leave you with two kids? I would fucking kill him. He, he left you with him. your kids. <laughs> yeah. Two kids. Kill- <laughs> hey, Robin always had her back. Even when they were drunk calling always. the girl on the phone, she was like, mm-hmm. give me the phone, man. Let me talk to her. Johnny? Hello? No, it's not John, bitch. Robin. This ain't oh, him, bitch. And then she hangs up. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck? She's all confused. I know. <laughs> too funny it's so good (laughs) quite a few phone calls i'm also gonna say like when savannah calls her mom and they have that (gasps) they have a bunch of phone calls but like the phone call where she's like if you like him so much how about you marry him why you marry him mama i tell you what why don't you fucking marry him then why don't you fucking marry him then she hangs up i know but she calls her right back right back mom i was wrong to you i'm sorry but i meant what i said about my life I know. Mama was stunned. She was like, what the fuck? I know. <laughs> I mean, I know better than to even talk to my mother like that. That would be ridiculous. I would not unless I felt pushed to it. But I would immediately well, honestly, call well, she back. she is. Yeah, she is. She, she absolutely is. Like, there, it becomes very ridiculous that her own mother is pushing her to have this affair with a married man who obviously has no respect for any woman. So no. why would I even want to have a future with him? No, nah, man. So you going to take a simp. When someone dances. So there's not too much dancing in here, but it's there where they go to the club. Bernadine is like out there dancing with the dude. Yeah. This is them getting drunk at Gloria's birthday and 
dancing. Yeah. So yeah, this is Savannah dancing with the dude on New Year's Eve when the bitch mm-hmm. is like, Lionel, you haven't danced with me all night. You, I haven't got to dance with you all night. Like, what the fuck? Who is this bitch? I know. That's what, I can't uh, believe she didn't even say anything. I would have been like, who is this bitch? Yeah. I thought we were going on a date. I'm yeah. out. I mean, she was really sweet. She didn't ruin the experience for the other girl, I guess. I would have caused a scene. I'd be like, oh, oh he double no. booked us. Especially like, on New Year's Eve. Definitely coming for your house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you going to take a scent, Sam. We're in Bernadine is in court so when they she has to go to court <gasps> for her man to fucking give her pennies sorry son of a bitch john you know the mortgage is five thousand a month how are your children supposed to live huh i told you to settle for the three hundred thousand but you want to play hardball oh dogs don't go to heaven john three thousand dollars a month a like month. What, what, are you kidding me I, that's just so disgusting to me like those are your kids like stop it Pretty shitty. And all that she did for him. Oh God, he makes me sick. I, we gotta get. We're gonna get into that with Michael we're Beach. We're. <laughs> I mean, we've already been in it with Michael Beach, but we gonna know, get back. We jumping back in. Can this man get a break? Like, why is he always gotta? We gotta pick stuff? better movies of him because he's never I on know. the right side. <laughs> we need to justify him because he's an amazing actor. He, he is. Really he is. <laughs> we have back to back movies of him an asshole, and he's kind of an asshole in another one too. All right, so you're going to finish your drink. Oh, here we go. All right, I'm ready. When Bernadine sets the car on fire. So when she goes into his closet and pulls all that shit off, and she's like, you didn't want my kids to go to a black school because... Making my kids go to a school with only two other black children because you don't want them to be improperly influenced. Well, guess what, John? You're the motherfucking improper influence. But you're the bad influence. Take Get your shit. Get your shit. Get your shit. And get out. And get the fuck out. Like, she is not playing. No, not at all. I have a master's in Ooh. business, and I was your secretary. And she <laughs> puts all that motherfucking shit in the car. Sets that shit yeah, on fire. And it's smokes amazing. a cigarette and walks the fuck away. Like... Badass. The most iconic scene from this entire movie is that scene. I had to have make that part of the drinking game. I love when the cop, the firefighter comes and he's like, ma'am, did, do you know your car is on fire? And she's like, yep. <laughs> yeah. He's like, um. Did you start this fire, ma'am? Did you set it on fire? fire. Doesn't answer. She doesn't answer. Does, she doesn't she's, answer. She's a woman with a master. She's smart enough not to answer that exactly. shit. But then my favorite is he goes, can we just never let this happen again and she immediately responds she's like it'll never. never happen again and you're like oh you're only allowed to burn trash on your property and she goes it's against the law to burn anything except trash in your own yard ma'am it is trash it was trash it was trash <laughs> yeah fucking beamer <laughs> with all his expensive ass suits Ooh, and those watches and the watches I couldn't. she's filling the... up that damn nah, fuck those wagon shoes. who has who has the same pair of shoes 12 times? This motherfucker is psychotic. I bet you they're serial killers less anal. Psychos. She said you're like a serial killer. OCD serial <laughs> killer. Fucker. Yeah. Like seriously, I have no remorse for this man. Like not even not even a little bit. I mean, there is one moment when you she just gives in and she just lets go of the anger. Yeah, because she won that fucking money. 
<laughs> so you don't finish your drink when Gloria meets Marvin. So when she walks her little fine ass over walks across over. the street. So what do you know about the neighbors over here? <laughs> I was wondering, what do you know about these people moving in here? He's like, oh, he's a really cynical asshole. Like, he's mean, you know? Oh. His wife died. Why does he trust you to move his stuff? <laughs> well, you know, I'm your neighbor. <laughs> but I love their little flirt. That whole scene is just so sweet and like what mm-hmm. falling in love is all about, you know? She's not even listening to what the fuck he's saying because he was like... Yeah, well, my wife was a big woman. I like that. I like a woman with a little meat on her bones, you know? Oh, yeah, my wife, she was a big girl, too. I like that. And she's like, oh, fuck yeah. I'm about to... I'm going. Going hard. She couldn't... She had an exhale. <laughs> yeah, she really did. He's like... It was that point. She's like... Yeah, she's like... And then she zones out for a minute. She like... like, how old is your son? She's like, what? What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> Gloria is just one of my favorite characters. I can't wait till we talk about her. She that does. Just one of my that scene is one of my favorites because when she's walking away, she's like, is he looking at me? Oh, God, I hope he's not watching me walk away. <laughs> All right. He's watching. <laughs> is he looking? Is he looking? Oh, he's looking. Oh, he's looking. She doesn't change anything. She just keeps walking her walk. Mm-hmm. But she's like, ooh. She gets like all these little yeah. like, butterflies. She's so excited. He's so sprung, he walked into a box. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he is obsessed. He's like, oh no, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. So you're going to finish your drink. The New Year's countdown. So when the girls are all out in the desert, their little bonfire celebrating the end of that whole crazy year that they had. You gonna finish your drink? Happy finish the drink. I like it. So, do you have anything you would add to the motherfucking drinking game? Let me see. Um, you talked it, girl. Perfect game. Perfect game. Well, you guys, that is the completely perfect drinking. Drink Game. Game. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Killing it, Z. Always. Okay. So, let me hit you with them stats. So, waiting to exhale dropped mm-hmm. December 22nd, 1995, baby. So, we got another <laughs> December close to Christmas movie. The budget for this movie was $15 million. So if we translate that into 2021 money, that would be about $25 million to make this movie if we made it today. Wow. I mean, if we actually made it today, it would cost way more because you got to pay yeah. all these bitches are big time now. You got to pay them all. Way, way more money than what everybody would be paying them. <laughs> but it made $82 million, which if that was translated in 2021 money, it would be $140 million on this movie so this movie made money it made money yeah great it did wonderful it did a good job and cemented these four women as you know black icons yeah basically so rotten tomatoes okay critics 60 percent what now i'm going to assume that the majority of these critics are white men which can't understand the shit that black women have to go through or the shit that women in general 
have to go through because this exactly. movie is pretty much universal. There are some things that I would say like it's strictly in black culture, but for the most mm-hmm. part, all women are dealing with Kimberly. the same shit as these four women are. Um, Absolutely. So that's why. And they also said that they felt like not only the movie, but the book was a man bashing entertainment. So they couldn't see past that because they thought all the men in the movie were assholes when the majority of them are, but there's at least two of them that are two or three of them that aren't too bad. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I suspected that as much. Like anytime I was reading about anything about this movie, even now growing, because I had watched this like forever ago, read the book forever ago, but reading, reading and researching a lot of it now at this age that we're at, I could see that they would have so much because people took it so in a strong critique of uh, anti-men and like, men suck and they're the worst, which, you know, most of the time they are. Not all the time, though. Not all the time. But you guys get on a women's last motherfucking nerves. Yeah. Whether we're dating you, work for you, or yo mama, you are getting on our goddamn nerves. Like I love the old the, the old phrase. I always have I always like to say like for some reason every single time a boy talks about his ex girlfriend, she was crazy. That she was crazy. Mm-hmm. And I always think in my head, behind every crazy woman is a fucked up man. <laughs> like, a like, man who made her crazy. That that one that made her crazy. There's always it's, one that just real fucked her up. It could be her dad. Yeah. It could be a man she dated, her ex husband. Yeah. Something. But, like, you either made her crazy or somebody else did, but it ain't her fault. It's not ever always her fault. <laughs> Sorry. Well, yeah, the critics were kind of assholes, and that's yeah. what they gave it. Better than I thought, but that's what they gave it. So the audience gave it 79%. I don't know what to say on that one. <laughs> wow, that's a surprise. Really? 79? Yeah, 79 Which I think is just, I, I, just to, like... That's just a bummer, though, because it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, my ZZ Fresh. Yeah, give it to me. It's going to be 98. I think it's awesome. I like the costume. the mu- You know what? No, it's 100. I love the music. I love the style. I love the casting. I love the houses. I've never even wanted to go to Arizona, but this movie kind of made me want to go. Like, you know, it's just <laughs> a very... It is near and dear to my heart, and I just appreciate everything. There's so many good scenes in it where they're funny or they're just heartbreaking. It's just like where she is getting ready for the New Year's party, and he comes in and he's like, oh, yeah, do you not want to go so I could take my, like, side chick with me? Like... Like how did are you are you kidding me? Right here, right now, you're gonna say that? Like you could have just said they're not having a party and not invited me, but I guess he just wanted to be brutal and honest and just like he just he seems like a really brutal robotic asshole. He said, "Thank you for making this easy on me." What are you talking about? Like I'm the bad one. Criticize? Yeah, I know. You want me to be like, oh yeah, go ahead. She can cut deep, but I totally get that. Once a woman, like I've done that where when I've gotten scorned, I just like laid it in. Like, yep. no, all the, the vicious rhetoric that I have for you that I've always held back because I loved you is just to, it's gone now. Yep. After you bye hurt bye. me like that, bye. bye like, bye. I didn't know that. Yeah. And Angela Bassett can just like deliver. Like <laughs> there is, oh. she has, she's such a fierce, she's so fierce in that. That whole, oh my God, that whole scene. She is extremely fierce. She's a bad bitch. Like, I love also another thing that I noticed, which I love on these type of scenes, is Mm -hmm. as he tried to tell her, 
I'm leaving with this chick. The emergency system broadcast system comes on and it's just, I beep. I'm leaving you for her. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. Don't worry. You can have the house and you know I'll take care of my kids. You wait a minute. I give you 11 fucking years of my life and you're telling me that you're leaving me for a white woman? All in the background, and I love it. It's just adding that urgency. We talked about Mm -hmm. this last week again, and it's just like you can't stop it. You know, no, it's it's either a beep or the tick of the clock, or you know, Mm -hmm. something that shows like this. This time is stand. It should be standing still, but it's not because it has to continue. It's just brilliant. I couldn't agree more. My little Luddy zest over here has to be a hundred percent. I feel the exact same way. Girl, like, no. The relationships that these women have, like, growing up and being able to see this and realizing there's some things that you can't talk about when you're young. So being able to see this movie when we were young, I was a teenager, and I was at my friend's house and her mom put it on and we were like, whoa. And it just was really cool to see women have complicated relationships being told as a young girl, like I had to get married and that was my relationship and got to see like strong business women, like making it out there, single ladies. And then of course we get sex in the city and it's like, oh, well, and they couldn't have one black female character. Thank you. We like don't live in, in New city. York. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, I saw this yeah. movie as like, a child maybe not necessarily in 95 but at least by 98 i was definitely watching this movie yeah it was this it was my seventh grade yeah Yeah, 99 so i definitely was like you know 97 98 watching so like 10 or 11 watching this movie and Mm -hmm. remembering it and thought it was good loved the music and loved the ladies but you're right i was watching it as you know the same age as these ladies are now Mm -hmm. like it's just like oh shit i totally get the shit that you guys mm-hmm. go through and, and dating it was just, sucks <laughs> and dating sucks and the writing is awesome it's beautiful it's uh, so eloquent the conversations and the dialogue between the friends you can just see how they just aged so well together and have such support for each other i mean it just it screams sisterhood in such a good way Yes, some of the male characters um, shine so well, but like that's what this is what that story is. It's it's about female protagonists. Like but the women a, don't shine that well either. They're having exactly. affairs and it, exactly they're participating. And, you know, just doing yes. things that you know necessarily does not shine them in good lights. I don't judge anybody no. in this movie. I think that they all did what no. they had to do. Like, even at some point, you, you're, like, on Bernadine's side, but then you're also just, like, I mean, but, like, you're kind of going crazy here <laughs> a little bit, just, like, a little bit. I don't but... know. I don't think so, because he fucked her over. She wasted time. Selling that car for a dollar, like, that that would hurt a little bit. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything. She was all happy. I, what did the sign oh say? God. Did I miss it? It was, like, it was, yeah, it already the, happened. the lover's mistake sale or something like that. <laughs> yeah hilarious it's so, it's so hilarious. good so it's if so you good. ever leave the little your details man, in this film yeah the little details if you leave your man because he he cheated on you and you don't want to you know burn his shit down and you have a dollar sale make a sign that says you know lover's mistake yard sale that's hilarious it's hilarious everything must go maybe even you <laughs> <laughs> so that's our stat that's the stats. I'm glad we see eye to eye on this one. 
Yeah, the editing, the the sound alone, you are like you you hit the nail on that. Like the music and the sound in this movie, the edited cuts, like yeah. everything has such an impact. And when it's going and it's flowing, it's beautiful. The the movie itself is a song. Yeah, I and totally I love the agree. I love the combination and the collaboration that happened in this film. So well, since my and- friends, it is Black History Month. I thought right. I'd hit you with another history fact then. Yes, please. So here's your your Black History Month. Stevie Wonder is not only the first Black artist to win Grammy for Album of the Year in 1973, but the first and only musician to win Album of the Year with three consecutive studio albums. Stevie Wonder, man. Really? One of the greatest musicians in the world. I've seen him live twice. He's amazing. That's amazing. I have not. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a do before you die. You will be grooving yeah. the whole night. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so that's a little bit Ooh. of black history facts. <laughs> <laughs> well, like to honor during Black History Month, I was honored to choose Terry McMillan, who wrote the book to this lovely freaking movie. Wait, hold on. Uh, hold on. Oh, Lenny's Literary Library is <laughs> open, y'all. <laughs> Bring your books to the front so librarian Lenny can stamp your book with some knowledge. Let's hear it. Yes, baby. You got it. <laughs> Step right in. Uh, yo, this she wrote this book in 1992. You probably have heard she's got other really great hits. How Stella Got Her Groove Back is a really popular one as well, starring our beautiful uh, Angela, Angela Bassett. Bassett. I know. But yeah, she is quite an impressive and incredible woman. She she started to get her journalism when she was in Berkeley, which is really I have such a connection because growing up in the Bay, love Berkeley. We and love then the she Berkeley. went to We love the Berkeley. And then she got her masters in fine arts in Columbia. She's just such an incredible powerhouse. Whenever she puts on like she when she wants to do it, she does it, right? Right. She really, when, when she made this book, it hit, went for 38 weeks, dude, straight on the bestsellers list, New York, the New York Times bestsellers list for 38 weeks straight. What book are you talking about? Waiting to Exhale. Oh, are you talking about this book? Ah, did you get it? Did you read it? This is my mom's <gasps> book Stop it. from 1993, yes. number one bestselling book waiting to exhale i did read the first two chapters of it today uh yesterday but i definitely it's going to sit on my shelf and get read because it is a quite easy read and it's it's a super easy read yeah and it has a nice flow it's really good but yes i had to bring my book she just really knows how to write like friendships like especially seeing now as an adult i haven't reread the book since in a very very long time so how were were you when you read the book when i read the book i was in high school I read it my sophomore year. Okay. And uh, I couldn't even, like, comprehend having a friendship like that where I could be so open and talk about sex with other people. Like, it was just... And she just has this way about writing her. That's why I really love Stella. Um, That's the only other book that I've ever read by her, Mm -hmm. too. That one I read later. My mom has that one, too, around here. (laughs) But what I really love is that she gets so involved not only with 
like her book, but the movie as well. Like she helped with the screenwriting. She was there every single step of the way for the production. She likes to see her art. It's, it's hers and she wants to see it started and completed too. And she's still consistently so dedicated to this book specifically and her writing in general. A lot of her writing reflects a lot of her own life. Like most writers. Like most writers, absolutely. I mean, Stella Stella got her groove pack was seriously the start of her relationship with her husband. Her second (laughs) husband. (laughs) Very true. And we will do that um, movie. Yes, we will. Oh, we gotta do it. So a little fun fact for you Mm. is that Macmillan had met Angela Bassett at the premiere of Malcolm X. Mm-mm. Yeah. And that's when she talked to her. And this was during a time when Angela Bassett is like fucking huge. We're going to get to her. So whatever. We're, we're going to definitely talk about her. But it was so great because she comes up to her and she told her, she's like, I really want you to play Savannah in the role. I see you as Savannah and Angela Bassett's no honey. If I'm going to be a character, which obviously she had already read this book. I mm-hmm. love that she had already mm-hmm. read it too. She's like, if I'm going to be somebody, I'm going to be Bernadine. And when I was watching an interview of her talking about this, her smile just like wiped over. Cause she is the character is she's phenomenal as yeah. Bernadine. I can't, I really can't see anyone else doing it or want to see that. I I mean, you've talked about it. It's iconic. Her whole role there is completely iconic. I think there was even a connection uh, with our girl, Leela Rashan. Uh, she even said, she's like, I really wanted to be reading for this. I wanted to get involved in this script and be in part of the play. And it, it, I believe it was her friend who said, oh, I know Macmillan. Let me give her a call. It never hurts to give her a call. And Leela was just like, oh, you don't have to. Like, please, she's probably busy. She's like, no, 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 no. And like... McMillan said, she's like, I can't promise you anything, but I'll say something. I will say that. And Forrest Whitaker ended up taking her in and doing an audition, and she got it, which was so cool. Like, that is how involved this woman is with her film. The book and the movie, they really co- like, coexist. There's not really too much difference. It makes uh, sense if she is a screenwriter. Exactly, because it just she, trans- she transferred it over. That's- and, and you can hear it. Like I said, I only read the first two chapters, but like... The beginning of the movie is pretty much, you know, she's summing up what, you know, each one's kind of doing. It's pretty cool uh, the way that they did. They just cut out more background stories because obviously it's a movie and you got to like, you know, we only got two hours, bitch. We got to get you in and out. Yeah, of course. There always is going to be some kind of trimming to the story, but I think they still hit all the essentials that you yeah. really need and all the they I mean she they really the in the movie they include absolutely every little lover that the women go through. It's yeah. and poor Robin, like poor Robin. <laughs> Robin has to deal with the worst guys. I, I and it's just so uh but we've all been there. We've all absolutely been exposed to just like the worst type of gentlemen, if you want to call them that. Ugh. Um, also though, what I really super love, and I'll like wrap this up, so sorry, but there is a sequel. I have not read the sequel, Getting Too Happy. Oh, okay. She actually wrote it in 1996, which, uh, was right after the movie. Right after this, yeah. Um, she, uh, had written it, obviously it was a big inspiration from her own life, and she wanted to see the movie get seen through. And they even started talking about it, see? I know I read about that. I know in 2011 they started talking about wanting to get it together and all the ladies were on board like everyone was down to come back it was it was gonna be fantastic and then unfortunately we lost our lady Whitney in 2012 
and they were just about in talks for it. And I'm, it, it's, it's so sad. It kind of was just put on hold at that yeah. point. They also, I know they also lost Gregory Hines as well. Yeah, they did. So, oh, shit. and I feel yeah. like, you know, he, I, I did not read part two and I don't know, you know, but I feel like he has to be, Marvin has to be a big part of, the book because I feel like Gloria has to marry him. Like they're just too perfect and happy for each other. They're not too to, perfect <laughs> to be together. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But then, I girl, Terry McMillan is quoted on Twitter in November of 2020, just on the on the 12th, just this past year, that there is going to be a TV series coming out. How do I? Oh, waiting to I, exhale. How do I audition for this? Who do I talk I to? Know. Terry, Terry girl, <laughs> Terry girl. <laughs> Oh my God, you got to do it, dude. And okay, so it's produced by, I have all the names of all the producers. I'm the perfect age. Let's do this. I know you should do it. (laughs) I'm serious. You should absolutely do it. You'd be great. But that's what I also super love too, is that was like, and McMillan, like in an article, she says specifically, she's like, when we decided to put filming forward, we wanted to make sure that the majority of the cast was cultural diverse and she had like 70 percent at least were black so like and that's not just the I, cast that was the crew so that'd be the like, cast you know, and crew yes, yes catering yes. sound mm-hmm. cinematographer grips, grips yeah. best boy no, everybody is you know everybody it was it was it was a beautiful it was it, it was really beautiful it brought everyone it brought a lot of people together it was a beautiful production it was so successful you can see everyone had a great time like Everyone talked about how wonderful filming was. I mean, there was the incident that happened, which we'll talk about a little bit. But all in all, it everyone was, was so inspired, yeah, to have a great time. And, and it was all based on her writing and having the, I mean, having her there and having her so present. And again, she she wrote the script uh, with another gentleman, Ronald Bass. But you can see her writing through the script as well, because they had to change some stuff. I mean, not everything was exactly the same, but it was pretty, pretty close to telling of the book. So I hope you guys read it. I I do really want to read Getting to Happy. It kind of reminded me to read it again, but I think I'm going to read Waiting to Exhale again. Yeah, well, now that I physically have it in my hands. Oh, my God. Are we starting a book club? (gasps) Oh, my God. Yes. Did we just become best friends? (laughs) Yup. Yes. (laughs) Well, um, I have a quick antidote in telling my mom. That we were doing this movie and making okay. her find me the Waiting Excel book at, out of her library of books. She uh-huh. explained to me how she had met Terry McMillan. Apparently when we lived in Pacoima, which is the valley, San Fernando Valley, um, outside of Los Angeles. Our back neighbor was friends with Terry and had told my mom, like, my friend Terry McMillan put out this book. It's probably like her first book. And was just like, it's just really good. It came out in the 80s. She's like, oh, it's really good. You should buy it. My mom's like, okay. And my mom is a big reader. She's total book club reader. I don't know if Waiting to Excel was part of her book club, but definitely I do remember her reading how Stella got her groove back in her book club. So she definitely stuck with Terry. And then my mom read the book, enjoyed it, and got to meet her because of our back neighbor. She said she was very sweet and nice. And it was just very cool to, you know. Yeah, she met met an icon. Mama B, what? That's so cool. That is so cool. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine how cool Terry would be. Yeah, so that's my mom's, my mama's Hollywood Close Encounters, she told me. I was like, yes. I love it. It's like, yes, give me all the juicy facts, lady. Let me hear it. That's really cool. Yeah. What 
Uh, let's jump to AKAs. <gasps> oh my God. Okay, so it is time. Are you ready? I'm ready. It's, Give it to me. It's time for AKAs, also <laughs> known as. So these are the titles of this movie all around the world because Waiting to Exhale is not the title of this movie in different countries. So. Oh my god! I'm so excited. <laughs> so so this is probably one of my favorite ones. I found quite a few good ones. Okay, so mm-hmm. grab your hamosa, mimosa, hamosa, mimosa, and travel with me to Germany, where this movie is called "Waiting for Mr. Right." <laughs> yeah, it sounds super curly. I'm not a big fan of that because I don't think um, they're waiting for Mr. Right. I think they're just trying so... to get their lives together. Yeah, that is so corny. <laughs> <laughs> like not what this movie's about, but I could, okay, okay. Kudos. Well, yeah, welcome uh <laughs> Germany. Thank you. <laughs> Germany. <laughs> okay. Grab your hamosa mimosa, get on I'm a plane ready. and fly with me to Greece where your people oh, no. are from. Uh, oh no. And oh, this no. movie is called Finally, Where Did the Men Go? Question mark. <laughs> Thank you, Greece, for that one. <laughs> but, but, wait, but finally, yeah. where did the men go? Finally, where did the men go? That's me literally just translating it. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. All right. So if we flew over to Italy, it's called. Oh, no. It's called women. That's it. Women. Women. It's women not wrong. Being women. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. <laughs> it's it's actually the most accurate <laughs> so far. You know, you know what I'm missing though <laughs> is the finally women. <laughs> Grease girl, what you got? Oh my god! I hope finally. people who listen to this, these different uh, countries don't take offense to us making fun of you oh, guys. Oh no, not at all. No, no, no. Please, please, please. It's sweet. I. I I just I love it, seeing this, and we're extra amazing. drunk already, so yeah. we're really giggly. And I found some really yeah. good ones. So, <laughs> if, if we went to Russia, it's called "Waiting for an Exhalant." Oh, waiting for an exhalant. Yeah, that's very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I really like it. I I, I want to kind of call it an exhalant from now on. It's like, excuse me, that was a very long exhalant. Like when someone sighs or something, like, wow, that was an exhalant. <laughs> Thank you, Russia, for bringing that to us. Thank you. Thank you, Russia. If we went to Spain, it's called Waiting for a Breath. <laughs> oh, I like Oh, I like that. Waiting for a Breath. <laughs> yep. Oh, I love it. Spain. I figured theirs would be, like, nice and sexy. It's always sexy, beautiful. Waiting for a breath. Finally. <laughs> can only do this because i'm greek (laughs) (laughs) so funny okay if we went to finland it would be called search on (laughs) ready set search Search on on. (laughs) i can just see savannah's face in bed like what (laughs) search on and she's like oh my god oh my god (laughs) yeah finland i don't know what we're doing there all right so if we went to yeah If we went to Hungary, it's called Waiting for the Real Thing. 
Waiting for the real thing. That sounds like a title of a song. Actually, I can make that one. <laughs> waiting for waiting the real the thing. <laughs> waiting for that real thing. thing. Ba, ba, ba. How I come like that it. wasn't on the soundtrack? Waiting for the real thing. I know. Thing. I can get down on that one, actually. That one and Waiting for a Breath. Waiting for a Breath. But you know what, though? It would be better if it was finally Waiting for the Real Thing. <laughs> Okay. Where did all the men go? Where did all the, where did all the men go? Where did all the men go? Waiting for the real thing. <laughs> That's gonna be our number one hit in twenty twenty one. Get ready for it. Okay, so if we went to Brazil, it's called Speaking of Love. Oh, that's poetic. Poetic. Speaking of love. Speaking of love. Oh, you know, girl, speaking of love. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I dig it. So I feel like you're going to like this one. Oh, God. If we went to Japan, (gasps) this movie is called Sigh. (sighs) (laughs) Oh, my God. She's like having a heart attack over here. That's the best. (laughs) I knew you were going to like that one. This is hilarious. Sigh. That's all it's called. That's so close to exhaling. It's not even like... Did you just exhale? Did you just exhale it? (laughs) (laughs) I told you there were some good ones on this one. Oh, this is... This is my favorite ever. (laughs) Okay. Hands hands down my favorite segment of all time. I think I want you to specifically cut this into a soundbite for me. And this is my ringtone. Okay. I want this as my ringtone. AKAs. Yeah, this movie had some really good ones. I was crying. Oh, this is going to be hard. I can't pick my favorite. I've got like five top five favorites. Okay. Last one. Last one. And yes. I'm going to say that this one is my favorite. Oh, no. It's going to be good. So if we went to Turkey, it'd be called okay. If I Say Oh. If I Say Oh. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Where did that come I don't know. I don't know. That's, but all that's I know so, is I think that's hilarious. That is waiting, waiting, to, waiting to exhale. For, uh, waiting exhale. to exhale. That's so good. And finally, where did the men go? Don't <laughs> 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 That is so funny. <laughs> so uh, that's the, what's your favorite one? Oh my god, she's turning red, you guys. I am. This is too good. Um. Okay, honestly, finally, where did the men go? That was my favorite. That's my, that is my favorite. You got me on the, the sigh, too. I told you you were going to like sigh. I, I love that on so many levels because, like, it's absolutely ridiculous, (laughs) but brilliant. (laughs) Like... (laughs) And I only want to refer, like, I wish that I could have thought of that first because I want people to just, if they're like, oh, have you seen that new film? You know. (sighs) It's a sigh. (laughs) I love it so much. But then the even bigger layer of how we were talking about waiting to exhale in. (laughs) Yeah, that one was weird. (laughs) That's so weird, but like so I read it and then I laughed and I thought, Maybe I'm not pronouncing this correctly. And then I had it read it to me and I literally <laughs> fell out of my chair. Like it was yeah. too much. It's too bad. <laughs> so those are the top three. But of all real real like actually that one's pretty good. The speaking of love. Speaking of love, that's a good one. 
I really did like that one. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought that was the closest one that I would be down for if it was be like, or waiting for, for the, oh, I forgot waiting for the breath. real, waiting for the real thing. That was your oh, jam. Waiting for the real thing. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> That's waiting true. Waiting yeah. for the real for thing. The real thing. <laughs> I like that mm-hmm. one. We're going to, we're writing this song tomorrow. <laughs> okay. So that is all of my AKAs. <laughs> For waiting to exhale, or waiting to sigh, or speaking of love, <laughs> waiting for the real thing, waiting, waiting for Mister. All I'm doing is copy and pasting <laughs> and having to translate it. So I I'm pretty hope uh, I really hope that this translated it correctly and it's not me it, being weird. No, I'm sure it's totally perfect, girl. That was so funny. I t- <laughs> so good right i can't i it was so good it was absolutely so good forrest whitaker would definitely get a kick out of that if he's listening i hope you enjoyed that and we loved your movie everyone loves your movie i love almost every movie i've ever seen you in mr forrest whitaker honestly he's so brilliant he's so well-rounded so i want to meet him like he's one of those people that i really hope that i get to meet in life i totally agree forrest whitaker is our director so we it's our second week in a row that we have an actor slash director for mm-hmm. Black History Month. We've previously talked about him on the Black Panther episode. Yes. And in Rebound, the legend of Earl the Goat Manigoat. He was Mr. Rucker in there. And mm-hmm. so we've had him on here twice. But this is the first time that we're having this man on here as being a director. Ooh. Yeah, and it's his first direct, so it's amazing that it's our first time talking about the direct. Yeah, I mean, he is definitely known for being an actor, getting his first big start on Fast Time at Ridgemont Mm -hmm. High, playing the cool-ass, like, football player with the sick-ass car. Then he went on to be on, you know, big things like Color of Money... Mm-hmm. And I Good Morning Vietnam. Vietnam. I remember him so much in that movie. God. Yeah. So he just grew and grew and turned into more movies that I can't even like name. He was in Panic Room. He was in Panic Room. He was in Dude. Phone Booth. But he won his Academy <laughs> yeah. Award for The Last King of Scotland in 2006. I really loved that movie. I really did. Mm-hmm. James Ma- uh, McAvoy is also in it. It's a mm-hmm. really, oof, that movie is fucking good. And he worked on our very special, awesome, sexy black man, Denzel Washington's movie, The Great Debaters. Where oh, that's right. Denzel Washington directed and starred mm-hmm. in that one. And so, yep. did. so, I mean, like, this man has done it all. He was. He's a voice actor. He was up. Uh, he did the voice in uh, "Where the Wild Things Are." Where the wild things are. He's yeah. In four family weddings. This guy constantly, constantly oh. stay working. He's in the Butler, and he is, is in the Godfather of Harlem that is out right now. So yeah, he continues. The last thing I act. saw him was in that Jingle Jangle. I was about to say. I totally love Jingle Jangles A Christmas Jingle Journey, Jingle. which came out at Christmas 2020 on Netflix. Such a good musical. You actually get to hear him sing and dance. Exactly. And yes. it's such a great new movie that I totally think that everybody should watch. Me and my nieces watched it about three times this past Christmas because it was like our new ass favorite movie. This is his first full length 
director debut movie, uh, Waiting to Exhale. He also directed the Exhale Shoop Shoop video. So also connected to this. Get out of here. No way. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I definitely did not know that he directed Hope Floats. I did, and I love that movie, Sandy B. I love Sandy B. so much. I do love me some Sandy B, because she mm-hmm. is American sweetheart and Harry Connick Jr. Right? Was he in it? Yeah, I Harry like Connick him Jr. is a love interest. And She's just too brilliant. Forrest Whitaker also directed <laughs> First Daughter. These, like I don't know. How I didn't know that. You. I honestly didn't know that, and I didn't really watch that. I don't really remember that movie very well. I do. She goes. Is that she's the is first... it Mandy Moore and she falls in love with like the guy who pretends to like close is Katie Holmes. <laughs> oh my god, they're the same movie. I'm sorry to you, they're the same movie. <laughs> I don't remember much from it. Sorry, Forrest Whitaker. I wish you would direct something else since 2004. But this one is definitely out of all your movies the best movie you've ever fucking directed, hands down. He was very hands, hands on. Everybody said that they felt in good hands. Even though he had never directed a full-length movie at this time, the studio and Terry felt like, hey, girl, I think he could do it. Plus, he's an actor, Mm -hmm. so, like, he can give you something, you know, at least the very bare minimum, he give you something. And he can inspire you. Like, I feel as though he has a way to coaching an actor to get there because he's so good at doing it himself that he wants to create that space for you to be open and... And just there. Maybe that's why he chooses to do lighthearted films because he goes so deep and dark sometimes in his own characters that maybe he enjoys collaborating and working with just like softer material. And I don't know. I want to want to, I want another waiting to exhale though. I know. But like Angela Bassett said that, you know, he really understood her. They understood each other and that mm-hmm. she called him her third eye. So he, Ooh. yeah, he was there yes. for her. They didn't have to say many words to understand what he, each other were saying. They probably had the same vision of how they wanted to get it done. I think that's why her performance stands out so much is that because maybe on a deep level, they had such a great connection. Like I always say, Black Hollywood is a neighborhood. So they had crossed paths before, I'm sure. Maybe not necessarily working on a movie together, which I'm pretty sure they have other than Black Panther. They have crossed paths before, and you know, this it was probably super easy for them to film. Okay, so we talked about the music, right? Yeah. He worked extremely close with Babyface, who is in charge of the music, before yeah. filming anything. They talked about what they wanted. I think they gave him the script. And what mm-hmm. he did is he wrote songs for each scene of the film. And so Babyface wrote all these songs before he even knew he, who was going to sing the songs wow. for, for the uh, soundtrack. Wow. And so he got to pick who he wanted to sing these songs, bided that the list of women that he did choose for the soundtrack pass Whitney Houston's okay, because she had to have the final say. Of course she did. I love her so much. Yeah, Queen Bee over there. <laughs> yeah. She had to have the final say. So it's like, mm, who do I like and who don't I like? So Oh my God, I love her so much. <laughs> she got to pick who she wanted her approval. That would be in a clause. That would be in a clause in her contract. Oh, yeah. I love I mean, her so much. She sings three songs on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So she, she does have. What she won a Grammy for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did. Well, I mean, since we're here, let's just like go. Yeah, let's just. We, yeah, let's we talk can talk about, about the soundtrack. This. So. Yeah. The beautiful 
and talented Babyface, who we've talked about and seen his face in Soul yeah. Food. So if you want to go back I to know. Soul Food, he also this wrote and so produced great. the songs for Soul Food and was part of the Milestones. But in real life, he's Babyface, the king of R&B writing and songs of the 90s, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so the soundtrack was released on November 14th, 1995, baby. <laughs> and all the songs were written and produced by Babyface, except for one. Funny Valentine, which is sung by uh, Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. On the, on the I soundtrack. love, that's one of my favorite songs of Shaka Khan, too. Yeah, she kills it so, on there. Uh, oh, God, that song is so good. But when we were talking about the pick of the litter of big names that he had to be on this all-black female soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. He did that, and I love it. Besides Shaka Khan, obviously, there's Whitney Houston, Tony mm-hmm. Braxton, Aretha Girl. Franklin, Brandy. Love. TLC, oh my god! I love Mary him. J's Blige. Mary, Give me some Blige. Mary J Blige. SWB, Patti LaBelle, CC mm-hmm. Winans, and Faith Evan, just to name a few. And this Big soundtrack mistake. was on Billboard 200 album for five weeks, and it topped the R&B album charts for ten weeks. Ten freaking weeks man and it went on to be seven time platinum and it has songs on here that are like 90s r&b staples like yeah. exhale the shoop song by Whitney the shoop Houston. song for sure let it flow by tony braxton sitting up in my room by brandy oh my god i love that song so me much. too not oh, Gonna God. Cry by Mary J. Blige. Count On Me, which is CeCe Wyman and Whitney Houston. And mm-hmm. it was nominated for 11 Grammys in 1997, winning one for Best R&B Song for Shoop Shoop, the XL song that was written by Babyface, obviously. So yep. we've talked about in the past how very important 90s soundtracks definitely were, especially in 80s and 90s soundtracks. This yeah. one is definitely up there for being the top soundtrack of all time. It's at least in the mm-hmm. top 10 of as much as it sold, the hits that it had, star power that it had, which we can always chop up to one Babyface wrote amazing songs. And two, exactly. <laughs> and two, that, you know, Whitney Houston, the biggest queen of all time, was mm-hmm. singing most of the hits on the song. I mm-hmm. do feel like the only people that are missing from here as 90s black beautiful divas would be like Janet Jackson, which don't think that yeah. her and Whitney had a good friendship. You know, I don't think oh, they really like yeah. each other, which would make sense since Whitney has final say on who's yeah. on this thing. And I feel and like Janet's, Janet also is very reclusive. She can be very reclusive. But thinking about it after listening to the soundtrack all week, I feel like she is more pop than like this urban yeah, exactly. soul or just soul r&b that the whole album kind of has a feel for so yeah. i understand but i do feel like sade should have been on here and that's who they're missing sade for sure i mean i know why mariah's not on it <laughs> yeah i mean just by listening to the way that the song the songs all flow yeah. i see why yeah she's not on here whitney houston is the biggest star on there. so but yeah. that's but that's because she's the queen of music either way the soundtrack was amazing <laughs> I played it I love- a lot as a child. 
Wait, can I just really? Because I also watched another interview about how she's just like, I'm not just that the queen of R&B. She's like, I'm the queen of gospel. I'm like, and she just keeps on going on and on. She's like, I am just the queen of music. Well, <laughs> like we talked about on A Preacher's Wife, she is the queen of gospel because she has the highest grossing gospel album of all time. With she the is. Preacher's Wife. So mm-hmm. it totally makes sense. You know, she is. She 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 is queen. All right. Nobody's She's trying queen. no one tried to take her down. I've enjoyed because I've just been listening to the soundtrack. I've been listening, like watching the movie for the past four days at this point. This album is just so good. It's this- so, good. <laughs> so good. I can't even tell you so how good. good it is because you guys should definitely listen to it. Yes. It just has some great songs, especially if you are going through a breakup. This album, start to finish. Mm-hmm. A nice bottle of wine or champagne, depending on how you are. And just chilling with your girls, singing and dancing to this album will make you feel good. Because you're just like, fuck this guy. Why do they write these damn songs? But to make you think and believe and dream, you could feel like this. But we <laughs> girls and we friends and I, you can count on me through thick and thin. A friendship that will never end. Never end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, it's so good. This movie is perfect for this Valentine's Day. I'm it serious. Is. Like, um, do you want to move on to Miss Angela Bassett? Yeah, let's do it. So Angela Bassett is the scorned wife who's been cheated on by her husband and his white ass secretary. And he tells her on New Year's Eve. He tells her on New, New Year's Eve. Eve while she's getting John. ready, all cute, to go out. That he don't want her to come because he wants to bring his white side piece. And she was not about it. And he tries to pose it like it's going to be her idea. Do you want to stay in tonight? Because I want to take another date. Like, he tried to, like, pull that She was like, first. no, I don't want to stay in. Like, I don't want to stay My face in. is pretty much done. My hair, I yeah. just got to take these rollers out, fluff it a little bit, put a dress on. Like, I'm ready, bitch. Oh, I know. And I love the guy. He's like, oh, my God, I saw her at the grocery store with curlers in her hair. I was worried. Yeah, because she never <laughs> left. I mean, no. like, after that, she just stopped doing what she was doing. And she lived like that for a couple of days. Which, I mean, she looked gorgeous. That outfit, that bustier. Oh, oh, my God. I wish that I looked that good while I'm getting broken up with and getting my revenge. Because even though she must have laid in that for a couple of days, she looked gorgeous when she's tearing his closet apart. Mm-hmm. So She looked amazing. So the whole monologue that she does, that she's ripping everything out of his closet, and she's <laughs> talking about how she had to put her kids in these schools. And that she wasted her time being his secretary when she has a master's in fucking business. And, mm-hmm. you know, oh, my God, the line. It took me a couple times to actually, like, hear the line and feel the line. But where she's like. 732, the number of times we made love. I remember when that bastard told me he was counting right after 51. That's how many times we oh. had sex. And, oh you know, because you counted. And I kept hearing that and I kept going thinking, like, why is she counting how many times they had sex? But he's counting how many he's times counting. they have sex. And she said, I should have left you after you told me on the 50th time I should have yeah. fucking left then. And you should have. Instead, you gave your love away to him another 700 fucking times. Yeah. And that is just bananas. And that whole scene. 
that monologue, which is amazing, iconic to this movie, was all improved by Miss Angela Bassett. Oh my God, because she's brilliant. Because she's Get brilliant. It. Stop it. Get your she's shit. Get your shit and get out. I love it. That's my part right there. God, that's terrible. Yeah. I, lo- I mean, not terrible. That's amazing. That's I amazing. can't. Mo- she's she's fucking amazing. Wanted me to be the background. I need you to be the fucking background to my foreground. To your foreground. Like, oh my <laughs> God, bitch. All these lines that you came up with, with I'm assuming that she read the book, obviously. She read the book before yes. she even was cast. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like that monologue came from her having read, read the book, maybe talking to Terry McMillan and was like, hey, girl, like, what is she feeling right here? What is she? Why mm-hmm. is she doing this? What is she feeling? And like you said, having her on the set had to have helped these women and Forrest Whitaker to get these characters correct. And yeah. that monologue, knowing now that it is all improv and that's not dialogue written in a script for her it just makes me even more like it makes my skin crawl as she's just ripping all the clothes down like it's just Ugh, it's i feel so powerful she, yeah like he's lucky she didn't burn the whole goddamn house down because if i didn't have the kids i would have burnt that house down and just stepped like fuck that shit get the insurance money and i'm out everything was burnt in it all anything that you loved was in that house it's gone like <laughs> <laughs> i know and i love it uh, the final fuck you. Like, final and hope you. he never comes. That's like, you know, they're not coming back into your life. Like, you're not allowing it. They're never coming back. Every time I watch this Burn movie. Burn that shit down. Anytime he's like, I'll be back in a week to get my stuff. I'm like, yeah, come get your stuff in a week. See what happens. That's what I always think. Yeah, come back in a week. If you're smart, you would have already been packing and taking shit out before you came in here with that bullshit about taking this white bitch to the party. <laughs> Because you came back, it was all sold for a dollar, and what wasn't sold was burnt the fuck up. That was the best. I can't believe I would have taken that car in a heartbeat. Guys walking off with skis. Get out of here. She's like, enjoy your skis for a dollar. (laughs) The best. And then the the wine, I guess that must have been expensive, starts breaking on the driveway, and the kids look so freaked out. And you realize that that was their life, too. Like, she had to be on pins and needles with her own husband. I'm sure their kids did as well. Like, living to this man's standards, I can't even imagine. And I mean, so we see how her out. son. We see how the son reacts to the separation. Like he just exactly. he gets immediately out of the car. He don't say bye to his dad. He just runs to his mom and just. Even when the dad calls him, he don't want to even answer. Well, I mean, the daughter she didn't feel the same way as the son. So you know, no, she got presents. Plus, she was younger. I think at that age, you really aren't adjusting or understanding. I mean, the parents try to keep the separation of like the anger and the hurt, although it's always going to come out mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. But it's just not villainizing the other person, which I think they finally come to an agreement to. Yes, when she gets the money, but I think also the letter um, that she gets. What's her lover's name? What's his name again? What's Wesley Snipes' name in this again? James. James Wheeler. I mean, just a fun fun fact right there. Um, (gasps) Yeah? Nobody knew that Wesley Snipes was in the movie. 
he was not advertised. They don't show his name. He's not on the posters. There was no interview. So having him pop up for his scene in the hotel where he meets Angela Bassett and they talk about her divorce and his wife being sick and they decide to maybe have an affair, but not really have an affair, just emotionally be there for each other and help each mm-hmm. other through it. But she's awesome. And his letter is super sweet. And Exactly. I love that scene. And uh, mm-hmm. Wesley Sipes had a, a great part in this movie. And I feel like they probably could not afford him. Because he was extremely famous by 95. Yeah. But I don't feel like they could afford him to be Marvin. Fully. Or, yeah. Yeah, someone who had to do extremely multiple days. I feel like his whole mm-hmm. thing took like four days One. for, you know, the bar and the bedroom. And then another day mm-hmm. for voiceovers. So like five days, maybe a week worth of stuff. I, I, yeah, no, that's it. That, yeah, that makes sense. So not to and he probably was not doing a favor, but he again neighborhood. So he wanted to work with everybody probably. And this was going he could tell, I'm sure that there was going to be a big deal. I mean, everyone is so recognizable in this film. Everyone spurred off to have amazing careers. After yeah. this. I mean, they are most of them already had amazing careers, obviously, don't get me wrong. But like, I mean, I'm looking at a, a beautiful Dennis Haber Haysbirth mm-hmm. kissing. Mm. Winnie Houston, and this kind of made him take off a little bit. Like, he was already a pretty pronounced stage actor at this point, but... Oh, are you talking about oh. President Palmer? Yeah, I am. You know I am. You know I am. The president. The only president. You mean the first black president? He wasn't the first, I think. Just in television, yes. I got one more Angela Bassett fact. Okay, so Angela Bassett, we already previously talked about in Black Panther, and we will definitely talk about her again because I love her. I love her. And I love her in the yeah. horror story. I love her and what's love got to do with it, which will definitely be in our bio month pick. It's probably our first bio month pick because that movie is so fantastic. Yeah. We'll maybe talk about her in Boys in the Hood whenever we get around to that one. But Ange- we have to. Angela Bassett is also herself a director. Did you know that? What is she directed? She directed the Lifetime movie called Whitney about Whitney Houston. Oh, I think I heard about this. Because her and Whitney have a very close relationship. I haven't seen it, but I have. I think I heard about this. I personally am not the biggest fan of Lifetime movies. They always seem... <gasps> I love Lifetime. Uh, Lifetime biography movies always seem a bit sketchy. So mm. I'm not the, the biggest fan. But... She's not only directed that, but she has directed two episodes of American Horror Story. She's a badass bitch in American Horror Stories. Always. Always. Oh, she did one of my favorite ones, too. Okay, so the two episodes that she directed was Chapter 6 in Roanoke. I believe it. Oh, which is one of Which, out of American Horror Story, which I love, and I just rewatched 1984 because I had only watched it once. Super good. And then she directed Drink the Kool-Aid, which is from the cult season. Ooh, the cult one. That one freaked me the fuck out. And that was out. a good one. And it was where he that one like, was, so good. was a bunch of different mm-hmm. cult leaders. Yeah. Yeah. So I personally love that one. I'm glad that Ooh. that is one that she has also directed. That's so good. Yeah. That think about that so next good. time you guys watch American Horror Story. I fucking love that show. I can't wait. I know they're in the process of doing season 10 now after you know coronavirus so they're getting the wheels moving i I can't wait it's crazy i know i can't wait but angela bassett bitch you will definitely be on our show again ain't no doubt about that because we're stella we're gonna get our groove back with stella yeah we gotta do how stella got her groove back yeah definitely 
we doing it. We're going to, we we're going to ask what love has to do with it when we do our Tina Turner. And yeah, it, we, we doing you, girl. You coming back, boo-boo. You coming back. Don't worry about it. Because you know why? We're waiting for the real thing. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> you bringing it back to I'm waiting for the real thing. Okay. Wait Are you ready to talk about the star of the movie? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. And we're talking about Bernadine's house. <laughs> <laughs> of course we are. So it is this star. Let's do it. This also helped me pick the name of the drink because you too can go visit this house. I don't like giving the exact addresses to houses because I feel bad. I don't know if someone lives there right now. If you want to know, Google it's on there. Your girl found it. But this house is located on North Mimosa Drive in Fountain Hills, Arizona. The street is called Mimosa's. Okay. That's amazing. And that's amazing. Yes. <laughs> I, I kinda need to buy this house because it's gorgeous. I we Cheers. Both, both of us need to live in this house because it's a two bedroom, two point five baths with two thousand one hundred and seventy two square feet townhouse with a spectacular backyard, a fireplace, oh a two card garage, and two master suites so we both get our own suites boo we all get oh my god yeah we're going two master suites with a bathroom in each of them big closets and each bedroom has its own terrace that goes out to the spectacular view of the fountain hills wow i believe it is for sale and you too could own this house for three hundred and eighty eighty nine thousand three hundred dollars Okay, so if you got that money, you two could live where Bernadette lived in her beautiful townhouse with her trifling ass husband and her two lovely children. Wow, I love it. In that nice neighborhood. If you want to live on Mimosa Drive. I know, I feel like we should go to that house and have a mimosa in the front yard. You ain't said nothing but a word, girl. I told you this movie kind of made me want to visit Arizona. Arizona. I do love Arizona. That is uh, the house. The real star. Cool. The real star of the show. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So go ahead and uh, tell us about the queen of music who we've already spoken about twice in the past like three months. <laughs> yeah, we really have. Uh, it was kind of like this plus soul food was just like, we've got to do it. We need to exhale. It we have to. Because our girl Whitney Houston, though, I love her. And she's so wonderful in this movie, and she accomplished so much in this film. And it was just like another big, big film in her life. Because she, she only did so many certain films, mm. and all of them had such a big impact because it was a way for her to pull away from her music career and to focus on that. But it always, she, she had a lot of issues with this film specifically. She had that cocaine overdose. Yeah, I read about that. Yeah, and it was really, really hard, especially Angela Bassett took it really hard. She was there for her, and, like, they were so close at the end of this film. 
And all the women were just, like, there together. It was so funny. I was reading about how the media were just, like, brutal. Which, like, during that time when I first saw the movie, I didn't know about that kind of stuff. I, I love that I was shielded yeah, from neither. the media in that way. That I didn't have to hear about the dumb crap that, like, people were pitting women against women. Because it wasn't true at all on this film. Like, Whitney had nothing but so much love for all of the people. They all took care of her and loved her. Yeah, I heard that all the women had a extremely great bond together. And mm -hmm. before filming even started, they got together, yes. popped some bottles of champagne, and just yeah. talked until about six in the morning. And they, they became lifelong friends after that, all four of them. And mm -hmm. you're right, the medium definitely was like, we got to find some dirt on these bitches because four women, especially four black women, cannot get along all together and not be drama. And apparently there wasn't. No, none whatsoever. And they all had just such a... They even kept a friendship afterwards. Whitney was like, don't worry, after this we will always get together and have at, at least once a year and we'll get together and we'll exhale. Oh! I know that. Or and was, sigh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get together and we'll sigh, you guys. Exhalant. <laughs> we'll get together and exhalant. Exhalant. <laughs> so silly but um it was really sad too because loretta said that she had just seen whitney like a year before she passed away and we're supposed to get together and have just like hang out and talk for like a lunch or whatever the monday she checked into a rehab two weeks before she od'd mm. well i mean it was a mixture of the things that she died it wasn't specifically an overdose but there was she od'd and fell asleep and drowned in a, a tub. bathtub savannah who Whitney Houston plays. She gets yes. a phone call from her mother. We talked about it. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, the mom's pushing her to m marry Kenneth, even though he's yeah. already married with a baby. And mm -hmm. she tells her, if you like him, why don't you fucking marry him? Now, that phone call was very emotional. You know, it shows the tide between daughter and mother, which for the most part, we all kind of go through. Where we're at that point where our mom still sees us as a child, even though we're 30-something, and mm -hmm. we're like, bitch, I'm grown. I'm giving you money and trying to take care of your ass. Basically, is what Savannah is doing. And having yeah. to have her mom kind of berate her all the time about, like, a woman is not anything if they don't have a, a man. Girl, I'd be so glad when you get up off that high horse and stop trying to act like you don't need nothing or nobody. Every woman needs a man. And you ain't no exception. Every woman needs a man. I disagree personally, but... Yeah, this is, I mean, that was a different generation. Obviously, we always have to say that. Yeah, and I oh, I disagree because the generation of Whitney Houston and Savannah and these characters are yes. like one of the very first generation of women to be like, fuck that noise. I'm about to do my career and do my business, you know, and mm -hmm. live for me kind of shit, which, you know, generations before were not as blessed to be that way so i i appreciate that but the phone call that they have it happened two days after whitney houston's real mom sissy houston who we already talked about in a, a preacher's, preacher's wife. wife she has a little small cameo um mm -hmm. she was inducted into the r&b hall of fame two days before she shot this so whitney did go to the inauguration of her being inducted into the hall of fame and it mm -hmm. was very emotional for her because she was like the woman who taught me everything who basically taught me my career of singing 
is getting this like huge award and it was very emotional for her bonding and growing for her and her mother right so she had to do this two days after and she said that she harnessed the feelings that she had during that time how much she loves and appreciates her mom but you know it's time for her to do her own thing like she used her own life experience on that scene which is why i feel like that scene out of all the scenes that whitney houston does in this movie rings the most true you know Mm -hmm. it feels the most real because of being the daughter who's constantly there for their parents even when there's might be other children because from what i read in the book savannah has another sister and has brothers the brothers are in jail the sister ain't shit like so she's the only one who has her like life together enough to help to take care of her mom so Mm -hmm. absolutely i think that that scene is very telling and it's probably because she pulled so much from her real life mm-hmm. yeah she killed it what's your favorite whitney scene uh i kind of told you the phone call that shit gets me every time she's like girl, bye. You. <laughs> i really fucking love it though when she uh what's his character's name kenneth when she fucking tells him off at the patio like and she she finally has that sit down realization she's able to coach robin through what a trash bag that man is. And then she's sitting there and listening to him talk. And he, like, tells her, I needed to be here for you, baby. She immediately knows what kind of piece of shit he is. And completely is like, no, I don't need you here. Like, then we're done. I don't want to have you in my life if this is how you expect to be treating all your other women in your life. Like, I'm not being represented by that. Oh, I love that fucking scene. I love it. It's hard for me to say which character I most like. I feel like I am a bit of Robin of like a flirtatious. I love men and, you know, dating them and have had my roster of men. But like, Mm -hmm. I also feel like Savannah because I feel like the friend that you call because you're having shitty boy problems and I give you very Mm -hmm. good advice that you should listen to. But when it comes to my own personal life, it takes me a lot longer to hear that same exact fucking vice to myself. But when I do hear it, it just clicks like, like you said, as soon as he's like, hey, baby, I'm here for you. She's like, you ain't yeah, here. No. You left your sick ass child at home. You still pull your wife along. She don't know about me. She don't know you were trying to divorce her. She don't know none of that. Yeah. And you sitting here and I love the line where she's just like, he was like, oh, you, you didn't feel so righteous when you were fucking my brains out. I couldn't see past what I wanted. So that made me an asshole. But the difference between you and me is I'm not anymore. But the difference between me and you is, is that I can change. And you can't, motherfucker. Like you you are stuck being a shitty dirtbag, cheating ass man. That's what you're stuck in. That is your life now. I love it. Oh my God. But you know, if I was any character, I would be Robin. Do you have anything else you want to talk about, Whitney? Just that I super love the connection between this movie and all the other... Because Angela Bassett was in Malcolm X with Denzel Washington. Yeah. And then Denzel Washington, Whitney, and Courtney B. Vance, who is married to Angela Bassett. Yep. We're all in The Preacher's Wife, which yep. we've already done. Both of so them. So I just... I just had to bring that to knowledge right there that it's just so beautiful how these women got to finally come together and do this fucking movie. And it basically has just cemented and made this beautiful sisterhood and like friendship that lasted all through Whitney's life. And like Angela still obviously wants to do to this day. I am so happy that these women are in this movie and that their Mm -hmm. bonding is great. Whitney Houston did a great job. I mean, we've been talking about doing this movie. I can't remember when we even started, but we definitely knew that we were going to do this after doing The Preacher's Wife. 
We were yeah. like, we just we have to. to do this movie. After doing mm-hmm. so many movies, like the cast that we have on here, it's only about two people that we're going to talk about that we haven't already previously talked about in movies. So, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it is totally exactly a great movie. And when Houston, she did a good, she did a good job. Mm-hmm. We did talk about her uh, in Cinderella. And we talked about her in The Preacher's Wife. So if you'd like to hear more yes. fun facts about her, I would go listen to those too. Check it out. Check it out. So um, are you ready for a fun fact? Give me a fun fact. Okay. So I want to hear it. This one is another reason why I named the drink what I named it. The Hamosa Inn is a real place. So mm-hmm. this Hamosa Inn is in the movie is where Savannah, Whitney Houston's character, goes on New Year's Eve at the beginning of the movie to meet up mm-hmm. with this guy to have a date and go dancing. And the DJ tells him, like, hey, come to the Hamosa. Broadcasting live from the Hermosa. This is a real place. Your girl had to look it up. You know I had to look it up. Yeah, of course. And it's called the Hamosa Inn. And it was built by famed artist Lino Lagri. He was a famous artist who did paintings of, like, Native Americans. Very, like, that time period worth of art was his statement. Okay. So in the 30s, as a private escape, he built this place in Paradise Valley in Arizona. And before opening it to the public, it was just his own. Eventually, he opened it up to the public and it has his art hanging all oh, around wow. the inn on the walls. And you can dine there, have drinks there, small wedding, Christmas parties, anything like that. This place has 43 rooms. If you want to stay the night, just like Savannah wow. did. It looks like the room that she is in at the beginning when she's getting dressed is mm-hmm. her Hermosa Inn room. How cool. Yeah, just by from what I look like, it definitely looks I like I totally that. want it's it looks beautiful. Like the whole area and it just looks amazing. It's very small and intimate. Uh me looking at the website made me kind of really want to go. And they did film it in the ballroom there at the Homosa Inn. But if you would like to spend a night in one of these beautiful suites that they have, it would cost you between $429 and $529 a night to stay in one of these beautiful rooms at the oh. Hermosa Inn. Now, I don't think I can afford to spend the... That's like Vegas prices, bitch. And Vegas has, worth it. Vegas has everything. This place does have a beautiful view in mountains and, you know, a bar. Knowing something like this, though, just like right outside of Phoenix, I'm thinking there's probably like a yoga retreat or some kind of deep... <laughs> Deep cleansing, ayahuasca, <laughs> fucking in a tent, chilling with some homies, and then you just go back to your beautiful Hermosa Inn and you just chill. <laughs> uh, I did not see this Hermosa Mimosa on their drink list, but they do have quite a few beautiful content. You might need there. to write them in that. You should tell them. I probably should tell them. Like, hey. I really think, hey, by the way, uh, the Hermosa Mimosa Inn. Yeah. Needs a brunch cocktail. And I just invented it for you. You're welcome, bitch. You're welcome. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank- Bye. Thank you. So, I really yeah. wish I would have stayed here. Yeah. You should totally look at it. The rooms are gorgeous. You know, it has that old. Oh Arizona my god! Let's do feel. a new. Let's have a New Year's Eve party here. <gasps> like, 
Like classically, like build a little fire pit and like cheers like the, yeah, we should do it. Oh my God. I am totally down for this. This place sounds super cool. It's beautiful. Let's do it. We just got to make some money off this show so I can afford, you know, $500 a fucking night to stay in a nice room. Yeah. So um, if you ever want to stay in uh, Flossin' in Paradise. No, I'm just joking. Flossin' <laughs> Paradise. Since we talked about Fifth Element. No, but if you want to yeah. ever stay in Paradise Valley in um, Arizona, look at the Hermosa Inn. At least go get some dinner. The food looked bomb as hell. And Hermosa means beautiful, right? I think it does. The beautiful inn. I love that name. Are you I saying was, it's called also, the beautiful mimosa? Because girl, the beautiful it mimosa, because it is mm-hmm. the mint was a really good touch, right? Um, we should just tap into Loretta. All right, right, so, really quick. Loretta, Loretta Divine. She plays Gloria, which is the single Gloria. mom who, who finds yeah. out that her ex husband and father to her son is not only bisexual but like straight up gay. At this point, just straight up gay, <laughs> and has wants nothing to do with her. And I feel like he really doesn't want anything to do with his son. And mm-hmm. he lives in California. Like, give me that ultimatum. Like, if he wants a relationship with me at this point, he has to try. I'm like, dude, where have you been? You come in every two years, and you're just so that that that's an unrealistic requirement for your son to try to put effort into you. The kid is seventeen. Yeah. He's not caring about none of that shit except getting his dick sucked by some white bitch in the pool house. Like, he don't care. He really don't care. And you putting it on his plate, that's some fucked up shit. Like, that is not what he needs. And he needs a father. You're, at this point, you need to be the one constantly trying to see him. Not necessarily him because he doesn't care. I do love the scene where she kind of lets it slip that her her ex-husband is gay. And he has to, he deals with it in a weird way by saying, you know, his faggot, gay, homo. It's all the same. So my daddy's a queer. My daddy's a queer. My daddy's a queer. Yo, my father's a queer. He's a fucking queer. My father's a fucking queer. I said stop it. Dad is a faggot. Yeah, I hate when he throws out that word, Tyreek, played by Donald queer. Tyson. He does say queer, which is what I'm. I get. I'm like, okay, at least he's on the right track. But that's instinctively his defense. Again, he's seventeen. And then he has, he's seventeen, and he has to show off his manhood, even though his mom just had to watch him get his dick sucked. Um, oh my god, it's just okay. It's a different world. Gay world is a different world in black world. It is seen differently. It is not accepted as much as in other cultures, especially white culture. Um, It is seen as being a fag, a fairy. You know, it is not masculine and it's not what a black man should be. Even though you can't help who the fuck you are. And there's many of black gay men out there who are like fucking killing. Have you seen Pose, bitch? Have you seen Pose, Oh my God, have you seen Pose? Like, please. Please. But Billy. this is 1995, so this is... Billy Porter, baby. Billy Porter, baby. This is 1995, which is, you know, at the tail end of the age crisis. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we by this time have, we're more aware of how it's spread. And, you know, it's not necessarily have to be just 
a gay disease, and, you know. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of pressure for the black man as well to not be seen as something that is weak because it it, it affects the the stigma of the queer culture is just very huge throughout mm-hmm. the board, and it still is. People still have such a stigma about it, and that's just the it, it's harder for a black man, especially to be able to be as open and as mm-hmm. expressive because there's this you have to be strong, you have to be forward the strength that you had to put forward and through and but i mean i wish that he could have had some kind of relationship with his father i mean even though he was queer and the father is played by gianna carlo uh esposito i can't remember his fucking name i just know him as gus i'm fucking (laughs) breaking bad that's why i know that fucking bitch from he also (laughs) plays the magic mirror once upon a time he does he does he, among, <laughs> among a million among things. A million things. A million things. Yeah. <laughs> this dude has been in, like, everything. But, like, that's but also the character. Of, yeah, I think of Badass Gus from Breaking yeah, Bad. Yeah, dude. That's all yeah. I ever think of. But mm-hmm. he does a fantastic job, uh, even though he only has, like, that one scene. He only has that one scene, but it, it's effective. And it really shows Gloria. And he's so beautiful with her he doesn't like make her feel ashamed of the way that she responds to him Mm -hmm. even though she's very desperate in that moment i feel like he's a character that she trusts and that's why she constantly is just like leaning back on him but it's something that she needs to let go of and move forward and and it's the same way she needs to let go of control over her son and like move forward because gloria she is like a bunch of us when a ex who the last time you saw them you banged okay or you slept with them or whatever you had that intimate moment with that person and now that you've seen them again after two years or whatever or six months or whatever how long it is you're like oh yeah we about to fucking do that shit again yeah you don't know where you're at why not why not the first time you can have fun a second time. and that's why i think that he's messed up because he definitely knew that she was gonna go that way he knew she was yeah, gonna go that he way. He knew. He knew. And he didn't stop her immediately. Like, hey, girl. Uh, where's Where's Tyreek? Uh, he's not here. Uh, when do you expect him? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was like, "All right, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I knew where this was going. Come yeah. on, Gloria. I just thought you'd want to stay like last time. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, Damn "Oh, it, please let him be gracious." Okay, so Loretta Vine. <laughs> Isn't that what she says? Oh, please. Yeah. She's hoping he let her and he come and sleep with her again. Even though he didn't sleep with her the last time. That's the thing. Yeah, they just they just kiss and cuddled. Because he couldn't get it up. He don't want to be with her. Nope. He's not. He he ended up being himself. Yeah, ended up being his true self, which I have no problem with. Um, there's nothing wrong with Gloria either. She's a kind, beautiful woman, and he he wants to respect that about her, which I think is really cool. I just want him to be a better father. Yeah, that's only the bummer, the downside, and um, we'll talk more, I'm sure, about Donald Fison for sure, but he played such a good son, and I love the relationship that builds between him and Marvin. It's so cute. It is very uh, cute. It is, and it just, it proves how great the character of Gloria is, and Loretta Devine is just such a great mother. I just, I love the, the my favorite is the conversation of them on the merry-go-round, yeah. which made me think of you and I when we were on the merry-go-round in Santa Monica. Literally the last time <laughs> me and Lenny hung out, we went on the beautiful big uh, Ferris go-round in uh, Santa Monica, and we had a great time. And it just, when I was watching, I was like, oh my god, my girl, <laughs> my girl, All right, so Loretta Devine, 
We talked about her in This Christmas, many Christmases yes. ago. And mm-hmm. we talked about her in Dream Girl because she is originally the first She's an original Dream when Girl. When the Dream Girl always will keep you happy. Yeah, she uh, yeah, has a small yeah, part yeah. in the movie, so we did talk about her briefly. We talked about her in A Preacher's Wife because she plays the preacher's assistant or secretary yep. in a preacher's oh my wife God. with all the goddamn her. kids and she finds her love with the bus how driver you, how did you get that to work i've been trying five years five years <laughs> got a computer and some shit to work so yes yes me and my brother like to call out black mamas there are quite a few black mamas in hollywood mm-hmm. that are constantly used as black mamas jennifer lewis from Blackish, she plays grandma. Yeah. She is a big staple in the Black Mama universe, even though, and she even has a book. We talked about this. We just talked about it. What movie? We just it? talked about this. Yeah. What movie was? Oh, she was in the Preacher's Wife. She, she was in the Preacher's Wife. We talked about her. She's she on... she has the book called "A uh, Black Mother of Hollywood" because she is mm-hmm. a black mother. Loretta Devine is also a black mother. Uh, she's yeah, more. She really yeah she plays black mothers in movies often she's usually a Mm -hmm. sweeter black mother or like a kind of strict but very sweet black mama angela bassett is also considered a black mama but i would consider her more of a upper middle class black mama not necessarily just a regular black mom she upper middle class like jumping the broom Mm -hmm. which stars her and loretta divine as both black mamas it does. You're right. Yeah. So I just want to point out that, you know, these two women went on to be known in the world of Hollywood as a staple black mamas in I mean not Angela Bassett is also a black mama in Boys in the Hood. So I mean she has mm-hmm. she can be that down to earth. Both of those women are in the top three of black mamas in Hollywood. I just wanted to give them a shout out. I love it. What's your favorite Loretta Divine? Obviously mine is her walking away and she's like, Is he looking? Oh yeah, he looks. <laughs> what about you? Um, I had to say I think that was my favorite too. Yeah. Oh, he's looking. Oh no. Oh, oh no, yeah. wait. Also though, it's actually one of my favorite co- quotes, I'm not gonna lie. When she goes, Would you like to have dinner with us? It's just leftovers, cod greens. Collard greens, some cornbread, some candied yams, a little potato salad, fried chicken, peach cobbler, few slices of ham. Peach cobbler and a few slices of ham. Like, <laughs> okay, one, did you have a barbecue yesterday? Was it Thanksgiving? Was it Easter? Like, I, who's eating all that food? There's two of y'all. There's only exactly. two of y'all. Yeah, I think that's funny. Because you know it's what? Just, a black mama makes sure you're fed. You're always fed. You always have a full plate. Oh, and he loved it too. First, he's like, no, I can't make it. She's like, I can send my son Tyreek over with a plate. He's like, I'll take it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Immediately snatched up on that. He's like, no, I'll take a whole plate of that then. Yes, please. Thank you. Girl, <laughs> if you want to poison me, have a black mama offer me to send me a plate home with a bunch of good ass food. I could be, oh I could die. God. I love it. I love it. That whole exchange. You just, she's so perfect. She's so perfect. That and again, the scene with her Angela Bassett on the, on, on the, the Ferris well. wheel. Them explaining, you know, she's mm-hmm. like, did you, you know, what's going on with you? You know, eventually she tells her she slept with the basketball player who was like married. Yeah. Cause you know, these bitches be cheating. There's like three of them that be 
just cheating out there. Which is a really big deal because this is a woman that's just been scorned. Yeah. This uh, man stepped out of her own marriage. And so it's it's kind of a lot for her to be doing it as well. I feel like it's a payback. Um, she feels like it's, it's more of a payback than... It's being selfish as a lover and not thinking of anybody else. But in reality, she wouldn't ever... Like, you see her go through that when the uh, character... Um, James is talking about his own wife. At first she's like, no, this isn't happening again with me. But then when he admits like, oh, but my wife is dying and I can't cope emotionally and she can't, I can't rely on and put pressures on anyone else. And that's what Angela Bassett's there for. I also think that in that scene, obviously because of that, but because he's telling her that his wife is white. Remember how you were saying that the woman, your husband, uh, was marrying I mean, ex-husband, that she was white. Yes. Well. Well, so is my wife. Now, I just kind of want to just touch on this really quick before we move on. There's a thing in black culture, especially with black women, about losing our great black men to white women. It's something that I will definitely say that is kind of ingrained in us. And that me personally, as a grown ass black woman, work hard to not view things that way or see love and relationships that way because I am a single black woman and the most single people in the world are Asian men and black women. So when you look at that in the scope of things, black women work super hard to raise their family and like Angela Bassett's character did. She put her whole life on hold to raise his children, to start his business, to make mm-hmm. sure that everything is set and happy, which is something in our culture as as black people is ingrained in us as black women is that we are the glue. We are to hold the family and the community together. We are the staples. We're the people out there marching. We're the people out there registering people to vote. We're the people out there who, you know, are figuring out a way to take care and feed our children and not only our children, but your children. That is kind of what we're, we're always meant to be strong. That is what black women Building the community and keeping the community together. That is the black woman right there. That's what we're Loving supposed to do. Loving and caring for everyone. So when a, we've done all that Their and made a, some, a man very successful and powerful and he leaves mm-hmm. us for a white woman which happens not only in books and in movies but in real life as well in real life and it happens i don't want to say it sucks because love is love you, you can't stop love i mean i have two brothers who are both married to mexican women and you know you can't stop you can't stop the love and then her meeting with wesley snipes again and he seems like such a great guy even though you know he is cheating or you know, attempting to cheat or, you know, entertaining the Finding comfort with somebody else, yeah. He tells her, like, before we do anything, I just want to just, like, tell you that, you know, not only is my wife dying and she's sick and I'll never leave the bitch, but she white. And Mm -hmm. she says, you know, God, that hurts like hell. Which I have to say is awesome because the music that is playing in the background is a, I think that's Aretha, who sing the song, It Hurts Like Hell. And mm-hmm. she even says that line, God, that hurts like hell. And I feel like that's exactly where Babyface got that line from because that is also the line and the name of the song. Yeah. So I just wanted to touch on that if you are a non-black person 
watching this movie or listening and didn't realize that that is a huge thing in our black community of us black women losing our men to white women. And I kind of think it's also kind of funny because Wesley Snipes is exclusively known for dating Asian women. That's like his, that's his thing. Really? Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. He's like <laughs> exclusively Asian women. He like loves it. And you know, you can't stop love or what you're attracted to. I totally get that. So like yeah. him explaining to her that, you know, my wife's not, she's not a black woman like you is, you know, something that Wesley Snipes I'm sure has had to deal with. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's also, it's just a very, it, it's very exposing of the characters. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, these women were badass. And I think that each man that they date or introduce in the story is very telling to what type of woman they are. I don't have a fun fact about Loretta Devine. I just have a flat fun fact. Ooh, two flat fun facts. Oh, okay. This one is like, I had to put this one on personally for myself. So... The sexy DJ voice that you hear throughout the movie at the beginning and the end of the movie mm-hmm. is known as DJ. His name is Theo. So if you are a Californian uh, regular, been here for your whole life through the 90s until now, then you might know that voice instantly. As soon as he started talking, I was like, is that Theo? Like, seriously, that's how Stop much it. I know his voice. Yeah. Really? So Theo was a DJ in the 90s at K- KMEL in the Bay Area, which I did listen to when I lived up there. Stop it. But what I really know him from is when he was the DJ host of 92.3 The Beat here in Los Angeles. He's a Compton boy. That's amazing. Yeah. I, immediately, I knew his voice. Like, immediately. And so, like, uh... he... Not only after he left 92.3 The Beat, which is where I knew him from because he would play music from like three to six. So like when you got out of school, <laughs> yeah, he was what beat. he was what we were listening to. Theo, he had that sexy voice. Girls would call in just talking about how much they loved him. He helped uh, big West Coast rappers get their start by, you know, playing their music constantly on 92. Point three, the beat, which is a huge, huge radio station back in the nineties when I was a child, and he had a line that he would always say: ninety-two point three, the beat, no color lines, which his tagline. The reason why he would use that tagline, I believe, because obviously it's Los Angeles, so we Mm -hmm. have every color imaginable here. Everybody. So his line was no color lines. That was his his slogan. Due to the fact that he himself is a Japanese man. Cool. Which you would have never got. You most likely thought he was like some sexy black guy doing voicing. (laughs) But no, he's a Japanese man from Los Angeles. After moving from 92.3 The Beat, he moved to 93.5 K-Day, which I also listened to. Another LA radio (laughs) station. If you were a SoCal person, listener... Then and you listen to R&B and hip hop, these channels are definitely channels on your car radio. It's just hand to God. That is too fun. I love that he is like, he's so embedded into that whole entire area that they're like, yeah, he's iconic. He is iconic. Iconic. That is amazing. And it it is. He's such a huge staple in this film. It was like so huge that like 
Ice Cube, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Too Short. All these people would write small raps about him for the radio station because that's oh how big fucking Theo was. He was the shit. You might recognize his voice on Dangerous Minds and you might oh recognize God. him, his voice, and you see him in Moesha. He's sexy. He's a very good looking man too. Like his voice and his face do not like, you. Could, I st- I'll take them both. <laughs> Because I had a crush on him from the age I of like you. 10 to like 15. I had a huge, huge crush on Theo. And so, uh, yeah, I just want to throw that out there for my uh, L.A. people, because you definitely have recognized that voice. I know you have if you were here in the 90s. Yo, like, I love you so much. Is this that too much? Me... Should I cut that? No, I love that so much. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, God. <laughs> I had to I add that we... only because how much I love Theo, like it, it makes. I love it. No, I love this. Are you kidding me? This is the greatest connection that you have to this. I mean, besides that, your mother met Terry McMillan. I like, mean, that, that was pretty that, cool. That's kind of amazing. Uh, but also to have this whole nother level connection to this film, it makes me so happy. Immediately, like, honestly, me, as soon immediately. as I heard his voice, I was like, "Is that it. Theo?" And I was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> I'm dead. I'm dead. That's amazing. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. He was a huge part of. I'm going to say California in a whole radio. I know. And this is something that Gen Z, unfortunately, will never really understand or get. Because, like, they have this direct access to this entire beautiful catalogs library that you have now. I had to sit by the radio station, like, by the radio and record on a cassette or a yep. CD the song when it was playing yep. on the radio. Otherwise, I couldn't listen to it, like, 10,000 times. Yep. Like, who's sh- like, don't go chasing waterfalls. Like, that is, I, I have that on, like, 17 mixtapes, I'm sure. So, yeah, I had to throw that fun fact in there because I wouldn't. That's amazing. What kind of SoCal person would I be if I didn't? Exactly. What Theo fan would you be? What Theo fan would I be if I didn't mention how fine that sexy man is and his voice? Just want you to know that if you're searching somewhere, there's a love for you. Can I give you a little bit of a fun fact? Oh, my God. Yes. So I've been dying. Speaking of like DJs, I really loved this. It's another like take on Forrest Whitaker being the best director ever. Leela Rashan, who plays our beautiful Robin. Yes, she does. She said in an interview that uh, for her to get into character and to get into like the mood and get ready for her scene, Forrest Whitaker would ask her like, what's your favorite song? What's your playlist? Like, what are you listening to? And he would play the music on set and have it going through all the, 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 the sets and in her room and stuff and get her into the mode so that when she entered on, he would cut the music and say action and then have her be in it. And she called him her DJ. Ooh, okay. I know. Isn't that really fucking cute? Yeah, I like that. Because I personally am a person that songs do help me get into that sad, sacky mood or that hyped up mood or whatever it is that I need to be in for it. Absolutely. Uh, There are certain actors and uh, performers that are exactly like that. I think that's also has to do with the fact that he's an actor and that he realized how hard it is to get into these state of minds all the time Mm -hmm. and that not only is it hard to do that, but people have different ways of getting in that mood. Some people might yes. need a mixtape of songs constantly 
getting them into the mood of whatever this character is. Some people mm-hmm. need to just be by themselves and not have contact with anybody else so that they don't get out of that mood. It all has to do mm-hmm. with whatever the person is. Exactly. And so I think being an actor helped him in that form is because each one of these leading ladies had their own technique of what they needed to do to get to these levels. Not to like belittle her in any way, but at this time in 1995, like Lena wasn't the biggest name attached to this this script to this story like i would say out of the four leading stars she was the Mm -hmm. least famous well for so for him to show such attention to making sure that she can accomplish the performance that he needed from his actor as well as being sensitive to her process like that is really cool so just that dynamic of it to know that he, he he did give special attention and and dedication to her it just I I would love to work with him that sounds like he really knows how to work with other artists like you said like he gets it he's an artist he's He's an an actor yeah so I think that's why it worked especially with her um Mm -hmm. she was an extra and break-in in in 1984 in the first scene so the next time I actually watch breaking again I'm gonna have to look for her but after that she just did small things like she did an episode of the facts of life the Cosby show and what's happening and amen mm-hmm. but her first i would say like big start would be in harlem nights which we already talked about she played yeah, you did. sunshine in harlem nights with eddie murphy richard pryor and red fox three generations in this movie and she plays mm-hmm. the gorgeous sunshine which i fucking or aka miss heroin like i fucking love her <laughs> You know, they built her up. She's like the lady, sexy lady, kind of like she is in Robin. Her pussy is so good. If you threw it in the air, it would make sunshine. Mm. <laughs> That's what they say about her in that movie. So, you know, wow. she went on to be And on. she really does continue on with the sunshine pussy in this movie. Sunshine. Sure. Her pussy was sunshine and all over the place. I always, I get so freaking mad at, what's his name? Michael. Uh, played by Wendell Price. He's the he seems like the nice, cool dude that she works with, and then he totally tries to undermine her in a in a very important meeting. She's like, "Yeah, I did." Which would that be like a sexual harassment lawsuit? Maybe? Okay, I don't know. One Robin's badass. <laughs> that just shows you when you see her that she's just fucking him just to fuck him, just to yes. be fucked and go out on a date. She's not, you know, looking for somebody, even though he does say literally the perfect thing. Like, I could give you all the things that you want and more. What do you want? And the things that she say are very basics for the most part. Pretty standard. Pretty standard of what, like, a happy, perfect life would be. And he's like, I'll give it to you, girl. I'm not mad that he, like, tried to show her up at work because it's work. You got to be able to leave the pussy in the bedroom and bring the boss bitch to the office. And he was coming in there and he was calling her on her shit. I mean, maybe he shouldn't have went about it the way that he did it because she felt offended. Well, honestly, you're supposed to be a part of a team here. He's not there to, like, pull out discrepancies that he doesn't agree with all of a sudden very randomly in a meeting. If you got my back and we're on the same team, you bring that to my attention and I'd be like, yes, thank you. You're a team player. No, you're trying to bust her balls in front of everybody else and humiliate her. But like, luckily she segued. was like, I need to fucking take this because I'm a boss. Shut up and stop talking. And she fires him. (laughs) And then she fires him. She fucking fires him. But I love Wendell Pierce. He's an amazing actor. He did a great job. Okay, so that sex scene that they have, right? Yeah. Where he's on top of her all sweaty. Yeah, uh, oh, 
She's like pretending he's not even like worth the lay. I mean, no. until he tells her all the beautiful things that he says to her. And she says she clenches her pelvis and closed her eyes. And he was almost like the real thing. Because his small dick. His little small dick. That scene between the two of them, him sweating and breathing and calling himself Big Papa on top Ooh. of her. To I like it when you call me Big, Big Papa. Papa. It took two days to film. So she had to have yes. him on top of her for two days straight. Which it would have been funny. I think that's hilarious. I would have died. I would have like loved it. Are you kidding me? I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> the character of Robin. <gasps> yes, 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 yes. Since we were talking Let's about her. There Robin? was absolutely extra people who were up for this role. Because you know, like I said, Black Hollywood is a neighborhood. So all mm -hmm. the sexy and beautiful black ladies came and auditioned for this part or for this movie mm -hmm. in general but for mm -hmm. this part we could have had robin gibbons and <laughs> we could have had miss holly berry holly oh my berry. god what? Holly, holly berry, holly berry. Holly, yes. holly berry. i mean she's just which i hate saying this because i never like to say this but i could totally see holly berry doing this character i could totally see holly berry uh, doing this character. and i would Love and I think she would it. have done just as good. You know, the, these women wanted Robin, but after them casting Angela Bassett and the late great Whitney Houston, Forrest Whitaker was like, "Look, bitch, I don't, I cannot afford and do not want four expensive, powerful women named women for these roles." Which Robin mm -hmm. Gibbons was pretty big in the '90s, and. Holly Berry is big always since we've known who the fuck Holly yeah, Berry has been. Holly Berry would She have been has a been horse. a big name. So he decided that he wanted to pick relatively unnamed actresses. So mm -hmm. we got Loretta Devine, even though she was a Broadway fucking legend. Even yeah. But she has she brings like a class a classiness to the cast for sure. She brings beautiful like sophisticated theater Hollywood yeah. to the the powerhouse that went. And so Loretta brought this like beautiful poetic part to the foursome. And then there is Lena who, I mean, she is, she's pretty well known. Okay. At so this point. Yes. Whitney Houston obviously is the biggest name in this movie. She's yes. the Whitney Houston. Angela Bassett Houston. had, Obviously, Malcolm X, she had Boys in the Hood, and she had mm -hmm. What's Love Got to Do With It, which is where she got her Oscar knob. So this is where yes. not only do Black America love her and build her up, but white America actually can like identify her and name her and see that mm -hmm. she is a powerhouse. So she mm -hmm. is on her way to being a legend. Loretta Devine being a Broadway star and legend and showing up in bits parts all over. She's a big name now. We'd think mm -hmm. of like Loretta Divine. But at this point, she was only known to a small region of people. Leela was not huge. She mm -mm. was in Boomerang and she was in, like we said, Harlem Nights. So she had bit parts of being just this gorgeous, beautiful sex machine, which she put 
portrays very well in this movie. I love her in Any Given Sunday with Jamie Foxx. She plays this girl. Yeah. Before she I, Any gets... Given Sunday is really good. That That's one of my favorite. That's when I really think of her for sure. Yeah. At this time. That's at this what time. I, specifically at this time. This catapulted her. Like the way that she was able to hold her own and show this beautiful depth to this character. She th- This really moved her into the direction of like becoming this, a serious, well-respected artist yeah. in, in her field, for sure. And that's what you got to love about it. Um, these four women that we have spent all this time talking about were amazing. I know. I know. I'm uh, so sorry. I feel so terrible. <laughs> Not really. Uh, <laughs> let's quickly talk about Gregory Hines, who we just talked about in December. Yes. Uh, he is a legendary tap dancer and amazing actor. And he is known for, obviously, The Preacher's Wife, which we've already covered. Yeah. And this one. You uh, beautiful gay people out there might know them from Will and Grace. He plays yeah. Will's Will's boss. Yes. He is the most loving and sweetest guy in this movie. He tells her exactly how he feels yeah. all the time. He tells Gloria, like, hey, bitch, I think that you definitely should let your son go off. And he's being just, honest. He's, and he's honest. He's just an honest and real human. And he, I think that he was the reason that Gloria let her son leave because he called her out on it. Like, you know, he's young. Yeah. Let it, him make him his mistake. And just like raising him to be the man that she was hoping that he would be, obviously, and making sure that he succeeds. But I mean, he's going with a church choir as a saxophone player. I mean, he's going to be in a very healthy atmosphere for sure. I She's going to be okay. He did a great job. He was a great... Like, I love he's like fixing stuff around his house and having... Donald Faison being there as the son and definitely dealing great will. He he sees that his mom's happy and he's there for him and I love it. Their I, whole little family dynamic is cute. I really love when Tariq does the solo silhouetted happy birthday to his mother. Yeah. I I think that's just it's again makes me go back to that this actual film itself is just a song and that's the beautiful moment where you just have this silhouette and it's just perfect in the backyard just in the moonlight playing happy birthday which all ties in but we can move on to donald Faison, who we have already previously talked about in clueless and uh this shows how big his career was blowing up in 1995 not only did waiting to exhale come out but probably his most biggest fanfare movie ever, Clueless, came out mm-hmm. the same exact year. So this guy was playing a 17, 16, 17-year-old in both of these movies, and yet he was 21 years old Yeah, playing these characters. He spends most of his career, I, mean, I feel like, playing high school students. We've talked about this before. In Can't Har- He's in Can't Hardly Wait. And yes. that's 1998, teenager. He's in yeah. his early 20s. I mean, he just... He has this likeness of a a young dude, you know. He plays Gloria's 17-year-old son. Yeah. He is not very good at school, it seems like. And I don't like his New Year's Eve get up with the, the cloud, cloud nine fucking vest he's wearing. What is this shit? <laughs> I don't know. He looked adorable, I thought. I don't know. I hated it. In oh. his big ass suit. He had a style, man. Don't even yeah. fuck with his style. He got a style. 
I think he was a great uh, son for Gloria. He knew what he wanted, even though he was a little getting his dick sucked by a white woman in his fucking <laughs> pool house. <laughs> his mama's walked in. She said, like, get out. Like, immediately, the first thing she says to the girl's like, get out. And the girl's like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. It, like, runs out. Yeah, well, he's like Turk to me, though. Inevitably, for sure, he'll always be Turk uh, in Scrubs. Dude, we are them from Scrubs. We, we are like, Turk and JD. Literally. Yeah, we are literally Turk and JD. Donald Faison, love you, girl. Love you. Definitely pop up and shit. We're going to do Can't Hardly Wait sometimes. We should have a 90s and, movie uh, month. We should really do it. We have had a month of 90 movies, and it was fun. We did House Party, Clueless, Jurassic Park, and Titanic. So I am ready for another 90s month. Let's do it. Okay, so let's kind of move on to another one of our men in this movie. He plays John. Oh, Michael. Which is Bert Bernadine's uh, cheating-ass husband. We've definitely talked about him before. We have. Michael Beach. Yes. We talked about him initially in Lean on Me, where he plays one of the teachers. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about him again in So Food, where he is also another cheating husband. I know. But... That, w that cheating made more sense and it was more, like, acceptable, mm -hmm. at least in me and Lenny's book. Yeah, he was neglected. He was neglected. This one is completely unacceptable. And they just, like, made Michael Beach <laughs> become such a sad individual. I love that this fool does not even, like, skip a beat when he's, like, breaking up with her. I love the way that it's filmed. Mm -hmm. It is filmed from her level and his level. Yeah. You know, when we see her, this camera is sat up high as in like the look that he's giving her mm -hmm. and when he's talking is sat down low like the way that she's looking up to him just by you know she's sitting he's standing also because he does have the upper hand and she is the loving wife who is stuck with these two kids exactly and you're off having your affair and you're doing whatever you want and i'm st i'm stuck here with the kids and yeah they're fun but like i want to be an adult <laughs> I want to have a life. Also, we talked about her son in this movie previously in mm -hmm. uh, Soul Food. Yeah. So, and Space Jam. So we have definitely talked about him before. But Michael Beach's character is a douchebag who I love the scene where she comes in to his office. Oh, I know. And she goes to that white bitch and she's like, can I speak to my husband? Yeah. And then she slaps the shit out of that bitch. Whack. <laughs> It's amazing. What? It's amazing. And I love it yeah, too. Yeah, you didn't see that coming, It's huh? in such a public setting of their professional life where she knows she can just destroy them and like, not destroy them, but humiliate them. She's such a beautiful, dedicated human. She did sacrifice a lot of herself because she loves somebody and she wanted to give all of their love to this person. He tried to just give her the pity of like, you can have the house. That's what I'm giving you. Like, that's what you deserve? Like, screw you, dick. Like, are you kidding? And that's why she takes him for what she can. Okay, so we have somebody that we definitely talked about last week, and we did not, get, you know, and he's also in this movie, so two Black History movies. I like to think of him as Bubba. Oh, Bubba. the shrimp captain. So, McKelty Williamson, he's the owner of Bubba Shrimp. <laughs> he's not, but... He also was in Fences. He played Gabe last week. And he's also Troy, 
which is funny because he, Gabe, is the brother of Troy and Fences. He is the coke snorting, cigarette smoking. You're a drunk ass, leather wearing in the summertime, need a shave, stinky ass home. Leather vest wearing in the motherfucking summertime ass fool who Robin gets mixed up with. He wants her to see his mama in three days after they've like started fucking. And I love when Whitney Houston is like, what Why? have you done in the past three days besides <laughs> fuck him that makes him want to introduce you to his mama? Exactly. Like, you tell me. Exactly. Like, literally, it's something I would have said to anybody if my friend had come to me like that. I'd be like, what did you do? He does a great job, and he has one of my favorite lines in this movie, which is totally not cool for women. And don't ever say this to a black woman or she gonna beat the shit out of you. Oh, shit. But he's like... You raggedy bitch. You better be more careful who you pick up in grocery stores next time. You may need to be careful who you pick up at grocery stores <laughs> next time. I love that. That like gets me every time. I see him as a meme all the time. Have you seen him as a meme? No, I haven't. In his black leather vest in the fucking summertime in Arizona. In Arizona, right on the like the front lawn of her apartment building. Yeah. And looking at her and calling her a raggedy ass bitch and shit like this. It's it it makes me laugh all the time and because it's a meme, probably. Throwing oranges at her. He, she's like, Don't you do it? Don't you do it. So he did a great job. Mm-hmm. If you want to know more fun facts about him, I would say listen to Forrest Gump and definitely uh Fences, which Fences, was last week's, last week's episode. Okay, so let's briefly go through one of our men that we haven't talked about because we have talked about almost all of them. Wendell Price. This guy is a fantastic uh, actor. He yeah. has also a very sexy voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's actually he, really sexy. I think he, I do have a thing for, you know, husky men. And he is a husky man. And I definitely have a thing for that. But you might know him from The Wire, which... <laughs> Girl, if you've never seen The Wire, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, get out of here. Yeah, The Wire is so great. You got to watch The Wire. He was in Selma and Horrible Bosses, Money Pit, Watchmen, Suits. Uh, I love Chicago him in suits. PD, Jack Ryan. So, those are just some of the things that you might know him from. Oh, maybe. Just like maybe. Whatever. Nobody just else. maybe some of the things. But. One of the coolest things that I did learn about him is that he is a New Orleans man. Yeah, he's from New Orleans, baby. And according to Marketplace Radio Programming, in December of 2011, he opened Sterling's Express, the first in a chain of grocery stores selling fresh produce and other supplies in his hometown of New Orleans. So he is a awesome man who helps out people in his state. He also lost his childhood home to Katrina, who was washed away along with so many other people's homes. But then not only did that happen, but he lost a home in August of 2006 when another flood flooded and took his house away too. So he's lost two houses in Louisiana to floods. He's a man that likes to give back to his community when yeah. they're at the bottom and they need some help. I liked him. I and like I him. I just wanted to give him a shout out because I think he did a great job, even though he had a very small part of playing Robin's co-worker slash booty call who calls her on her shit. 
and gets his ass fired. And then they show up at the fucking bar together with some other fine ass. How are you getting all these fine ass bitches? What does he do again? What does Robin do? She works for like insurance company or something? I thought she was in marketing of some kind. Marketing? I don't know. That's just why he's such a dick about it. Like, he's supposed to be a team player, man. Like, are you kidding? That's why he's not to be trusted. Because you want to feel for him, especially after everything he says to her. And you're like, no. Mm-mm. You're just a dick. Like you're just a you're dick. You're just a dick. All right. So, you have anybody else you want to talk about? No, man. I think we've covered everybody. And if we didn't, I know we're going to talk about them cuz this movie's fantastic. By Hollywood Small. Yep. <laughs> okay. So, it's time for Z for the people. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. So the Hurston and Wright Foundation was named after two great black writers, uh, Zoran Neal Hartson and Richard Wright. And this foundation was established in 1990. And it's a creative space to nurture black writers within workshops and public readings and award ceremonies. It's a way to get, you know, black writing out there. To help the black writer hone their craft and hone their voice and to help them get published and to help them get their stories out there to the audience. And they also, they give out awards and they have quite a few dozens of people who've gone out there and published books. So they have these black writers out here that they've trained and they have honed and nurtured their their talent and their passion and then they send them out there and these fools made some novels now the reason why i picked this one obviously because of the very beautiful and smart terry mcmillan who wrote this awesome book that we are reviewing as the movie today and i just kind of thought like as a black writer where do i go so they have a bunch of published artists they help black writers they inspire them they award them they do everything that the rest of the world does not do for black writers, artists, entertainers. We don't get the the nurturing and the growth that, you know, other races may get. Mm-hmm. So I found this. And if you would like to donate money, donate your time, or if you are a black writer who needs to be nurtured and guided into wherever you need to be going, I would say to go to the Hurston Wright dot org donate your time donate your money and uh let's get our black stories out there because this story is fictional but it is true to so many of us and that is my z for the people uh, yes ah uh. oh, beautiful i love that right pretty good i think everyone needs to get out there and put out their work and i love that you yeah i love that so All thank right. you, Lenny girl. Yeah. Oh my God, we did it. We drank so much we champagne. Made and it. We made it. We We're drank here. so much champagne. So much champagne tonight. So do you want to tell everybody? Oh, okay. Absolutely, I do. You know that I want to. If you love us, you love hearing our beautiful voices and enjoying your time spent with us, hanging out with us, watching movies with us. Check us out on our beautiful podcast. You can find us on Podbean, Altail, My Favorite, Flustin' Paradise. I'm just Flustin kidding. Flustin' Paradise. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Podparadise.com definitely has us. Check us out. Player FM. These are all anywhere you listen to podcasts, man. You can hear us. Send them out to all your friends. 
Don't have Spotify, which we're on Spotify as well. <laughs> At Lights Camera Cocktails. <laughs> Cocktails. Cocktails. We're on um, iTunes. Yeah, we're on iTunes, Apple, obviously. You should check us out on our social medias. We have Instagram, Twitter. We're just chilling, hanging out. Send us your uh, beautiful close encounters. Ow! Email Lights Camera Cocktail, no S. Get the S out of here. At gmail.com, and we'd love to hear from you. And uh, thanks. Thanks so much for listening. It was really great to have you guys here. I hope you watch this movie. I know you'll watch this movie because it's so freaking good. So good. Uh, So good. Well, everybody, thank you, Lenny, for drinking with me and talking with me. Thanks for drinking with me. I love you so much. Oh, she's a drunk one, and I'm not far behind her. I'm (laughs) barely making it through this end. Um, (laughs) This was a great movie. Do you want to tell everybody what movie we are doing next week? I'm so excited to announce that we are going to be watching the amazing Amazing. film and talking about the queen of Ketway. Queen, yes, girl. It's a Disney movie. It's so exciting. I love Disney, but I really love this story. It's a film based on a true story about the life of a young girl. I can't wait to talk about it with you. Go watch it. You are going to love it. Woo woo! What? So check in because we are about to go down on this film. Everyone go out and watch it. We're going to discuss it. Get your drinks ready because we're going to party. Thank you, everybody, for spending another episode with us and we'll see you next week for another episode of lights camera cocktails and finally where'd all the men go finally (laughs) where did the men go (laughs) dude are you kidding